Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, the Tuesday, March 15th edition here on the podcast. So thank you for joining me and stopping by this program. Um, Jam-packed show for you guys today. Yeah, Josh Dobbs, former uh, legendary Tennessee volunteer quarterback, uh, current Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback. Um, we, we talked about everything NFL, everything being back, dating back to his college days, the Hail Mary against Georgia, his recruitment originally to Tennessee, his first impressions of Vol Nation, what he misses about the school being in Knoxville, uh, his foundation. Uh, we talked about um, what he's learned uh, being in the NFL thus far, um, his future plans, all that and more. It was a great conversation, so I appreciate Josh Dobbs making the time uh, on this edition of the podcast. It was great, so I'm glad we are able to do that. Um, also, all things NFL, enveloping the NFL. Yeah, it's our, our off-season roundtable for uh, the NFL during this uh, during the off-season. So everything's crazy. Tom Brady signs and returns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, obviously Wilson on the Broncos now, but the QB carousel continues in the NFL. A bunch of signings. The Jags are just using all their money in the first couple of days of free agency, it looks like. Um, state of our teams, what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing uh, with their signing of Mitch Trubisky and where they're headed as a franchise and what their, their goals are this offseason. Um, the Browns, Baker, all, all that and more with Jarrett Bailey and Evan Swords. Um, don't forget folks, you can watch this very podcast. So if you want to watch, uh, my interview with Josh Dobbs, you want to watch, uh, Jarrett, Evan and I talk uh, about NFL, go to YouTube, youtube.com type in the chase Thomas podcast. We're right there. Hit that subscribe button, like share it out. Um, and if you're not already go ahead, hit that subscribe button on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, make sure you never miss an episode in your feed every single day. And if you like this very podcast, please do make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can email this program as well, Podcast at gmail.com, and uh, check out the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, here we are. We're back on a bonus edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am just so thrilled to be joined by one of my favorite quarterbacks who is still just a legend in the Knoxville, Tennessee community. Um, he is an NFL quarterback, been an NFL quarterback for a number of years now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Josh Dobbs. Josh, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good, Chase. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. Are you are you staying busy? Are you nervous? What's what's going through your mind this week? Are you keeping up with all the NFL free agency news? Are you keeping up with everything going on with different teams? Or do you try to like take a break and not try and look at all of it and keep up with it at once? Uh, I try to take a break, not always look at it. Obviously, you know, just the world we live in, your phone's going to go off and buzz with ESPN notifications or every time you get on Instagram. So I see the news, um, but mm-hmm. I kind of just keep my phone on loud talk to my agent and just play it by ear from there. Are you excited about what's to come? Are you excited about the future? What, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm excited. I think there's um, a wealth of opportunity out there. You know, for me, it's just finding the spot that you're going to get that opportunity to showcase your skill set. Um, and so I'm excited to search for that. You know, it's been great dialogue 
you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as other teams that my agent has been in dialogue with. So um, I know God has a plan. I'll be excited to see where we end up and, and what the next uh, step is for my career. Exciting. Um, I'm curious because I, I'm always curious about off-season habits. So I talked to a lot of coaches yeah. and and I learn about like how they get away from football and how they take a break because of just the grind and the tape and just the work you have to do every single day during the year to stay ready. Um, what do you do though? Like with it being middle of March right now, what do you do during the off season to just kind of clear your head and just to, to get right? What do you do for fun? What do you, what do you do? So, you know, usually when the off season starts, it's exactly what you said, you know, it's just a built up, um a long year you know mentally mm-hmm. physically um every year really is a, a whole life of its own so when the season ends i like to take um some time off visit with my family hang out um travel take a trip get away relax recoup um and then i like to map out my off season so i usually mm-hmm. um you know have enjoyed doing um, some experience in the engineering world. So the last couple mm-hmm. of off season, I spent some time with NASA. Uh, my first off season, I spent time with Fanatics. So just something to be- better uh, myself off the field and um, learn about the fields I'm interested in, whether it's engineering, business, my own business, you know, several, you know, passions of mine. And then from there, you know, when as February is wrapping, um, it's usually all right, re-getting back into the off-season grind as you see you know on instagram social media so the training sessions um throwing sessions being agility sessions lifting sessions but just getting back in my regimen routine and kind of priming the body um to get it right for a good push through april get ready for off-season workouts however they look and um to set up or good set up a good platform to ready to hit the ground running in summer and when camp so you know, you never really get time to truly just turn your brain off, you know, and thinking about like mm-hmm. football and what you're doing. Um, but through various trips, whether it's a weekend trip, um, a family trip, um, just vacation, you do get time to get away and kind of um, rejuvenate yourself for the upcoming year. Where's your favorite vacation spot you've taken thus far in your NFL career? Okay, so um, the last two years, We've mm-hmm. gone down to Cabo in Mexico. So I went okay. last summer uh, for July 4th, a little bit during the middle of COVID. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of restrictions going on down there. Um, I went then, and then I actually went back a couple weeks ago, last month, mm-hmm. went down with with some friends. And that's probably my favorite spot because it's, it's really relaxing. You know, mm-hmm. you're like down in Mexico. For me, I like to just turn my phone off, get away, get away from the hustle and bustle of just the everyday – um, the everyday speed race, I feel like I'm on sometimes. So I turn on mm-hmm. my phone, just go down there, hang out by the beach, chill. Um, so that's been a really good trip as well. You know, a couple of years ago we did, um, I'm a big cruise guy. So I okay. love going on cruises. And so obviously before, you know, they turned into just a nightmare with COVID cruises were so, so much I was going to so say, popular. this is the worst time to be a big, co- a big, big cruise yeah. guy. Like this. Yeah. It hasn't been fun. The last two off seasons, not getting my cruises, but, um, we did, uh, the European cruise a couple mm-hmm. off seasons ago, which was a lot of fun. So we flew to Barcelona, um, and then we saw Spain, France and Italy got mm-hmm. a chance to take like five spots. 
spend a day in each city and then come back. So I, that, those are, have been my favorite trips so far. Interesting. Were you, cause it's, you know, it's funny when I told family members and like, I have a lot of UT fans and alums in my family on myself. And when I told them I was going to talk to you, um, it, one of the fun, the first things it's, it, I wonder if you get this where it's like, you're the quarterback who majored in aerospace engineering. You're the, the super smart quarterback. Like, have you, like, do you get that a lot? Like of, Oh, I know you from the aerospace, aerospace engineering and the 4.0 and just being not only an excellent quarterback, but an excellent student. Yeah. I get a ton of people that that say that. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously I didn't watch a lot of the TV copies of the game, but I've been Mm -hmm. told it was well documented on TV, you know, <laughs> what I studied. I heard the announcer yeah. would go on and on all game. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I get a ton of people, um, whether, you know, I'm like walking to the airport or here in Atlanta or just, mm-hmm. you know, like even getting off the plane, like in Mexico, I had a dude come up to me and say, and say something along the lines. It was a Steelers fan. Um, but it's just, really? it's just, it's just pretty cool. It's pretty cool to have that reach and, and that platform and, to be recognized, not only for what you do on the field, but also off the field. Did you always want to study that? Like for me, I mean, I grew up wanting to be in journalism and wanted to be a sports writer mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like I've always known what I wanted to do, but did you always want to get into aerospace engineering? And you're in this interesting boat where you're you have these you have these different aspirations, right? Like you said, you worked at Fanatics for a little bit. You have your own business. You um, mm-hmm. majored in aerospace engineering. Like you have all these different things. Is it, do you have like a hierarchy of what was the most interesting to you? Were you just a good athlete and a good quarterback? And then you're like, wow, I can do something with this, but aerospace engineering and NASA was actually my first, first love. Yeah. I've had, I've had a lot of passions. You know, I was blessed mm-hmm. with two supportive parents that encouraged me to pursue pursue my passion. So growing up, um, I'm an only child. They got me involved in sports early, playing football, baseball, and basketball. You know, they also pushed me in the classroom um, as any student athlete. You know, to a, a, to achieve the same greatness that you set for yourself on the field as well as in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So um, I figured out early I was really good at math and science. Um, loved aviation, loved in engineering. Mm-hmm. So that's where kind of like that passion came from. But at the same time, I mean, I was playing sports competitively. Um, so I knew, I identified I was a really good athlete and knew um, if I worked hard enough, I could achieve whatever I wanted on the field as well. Um, and then from there, you know, I've always thought outside of the box. And, you know, my goal has always been to own a company growing up. So that's mm-hmm. been a, a great off-season project I've been working on and establishing not only that, but my foundation as well. So. I don't know. I, I, I established those passions when I was young. Um, and then, you know, really, I think, you know, a lot of times people like try to tell you, you know, you only can do one thing or you kind of have to mm-hmm. put yourself in a box. And my story is pretty cool because I like to show people like you don't have to do it. You know, whatever you're passionate mm-hmm. in, um, like you, you're passionate in journalism. If you have another passion, too, you know, you know, you work hard enough, you have a plan that's extremely important. But then you go out and you execute that plan. then. Um, you can really do and achieve whatever you want. What um, what makes Coach Tomlin such an elite head coach? What is what have you seen as a player and someone who's played for him for as long as you have? What have you seen that makes him that separates him as a head coach? Yeah, I, one is presence. And that's the mm-hmm. big thing. You know, it's a big jump in what it takes to be a, a coach in college and what it takes to be a coach in the NFL. 
mean, mm-hmm. you just look at who you're coaching. You know, in college, you're you're coaching basically, you know, kids as they are maturing into manhood. Um, right. So you're not only teaching them about football, but you're also teaching them, you know, you're also per se, you know, babysitting, teaching them how to be responsible for their responsibilities, go to class, mm-hmm. go to study hall, all this other stuff. You know, in the league, um, your job is to play football. And, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to command a room of, a room of mature men, you know, mm-hmm. who everyone in there is, you know, a, a grown man, have families, have mortgages, have a lot going on off the field. But, you know, when Coach Tomlin steps in, he is seen as the alpha, the commander of the room. And that's where it starts, you know, having that presence and obviously being extremely football smart. You know, mm-hmm. the way he engineers his defenses or creates his game plans, he does a tremendous job of preparing us, whether it's on offense or defense, to attack the weaknesses of the other team. So it's, it's it takes a lot to be an NFL head coach. Uh, I see the responsibilities, obviously, from afar, because it takes a lot to be an NFL quarterback as well. Um, mm-hmm. But the way he does it, you know, he does it with extreme grace and confidence, and he instills that in his team. And that's why he's been so successful for so long. So being in the quarterback room with a future first ballot Hall of Famer for years, mm-hmm. what what was the like to prepare you for your next stop? If you might be in a different stop or your what whatever the future may hold for you, what what will you, what would you say is the biggest thing you took away? from learning under Ben the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, they always, you know, going into when I got drafted, actually, it was very interesting mm-hmm. because you were saying, oh, you're going, to, you're going to learn from Big Ben. He does stuff really different. You know, he kind of plays mm-hmm. the game differently. Um, and then in the past, you know, they say he hasn't really been seen. He hasn't, you know, had the um, reputation of being a mentor to younger QBs. So going in, you know, my biggest thing was to learn. I mean, this guy has had a had the career everyone dreams of having, you know, one place mm-hmm. for so long, a couple of Super Bowls. Um, so so my biggest thing was just to learn, just learn how he prepared, learn how he saw the game. And, and that's where I grew the most. And that's what caused our relationship to grow, too, as well during my time there. Um, I, you know, I just remember my first day of, better in minicamp you know just watching him mm-hmm. practice and you know he's doing stuff you know unorthodox working you know the cover the, the single high side into cover two um mm-hmm. but just throwing dimes and just picking apart the defense and it just shows just gave me a whole different way of viewing the game mm-hmm. um whether it was in like pass game scenarios run check scenarios and the team in the right play just gave gave me a different perspective which was really cool uh, something that you know he would do, which made him really successful, was his no huddle offense. You know where he's mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage, he's getting the offense into the best play in his mind. You know he's really calling the game from the line of scrimmage. And so, as a young quarterback coming into the league, you know where, where you know a lot of times you've been placed in environments where you know the coaches kind of call the game, and then obviously you have to go execute the plays. But then you know watching him. Gave, gives you a whole different perspective. You see it from the coach's aspect. You see it from, you know, okay, they're, they're like this defense on this down or this guy is a matchup issue. How can we attack them? Um, so I, I grew a ton as a quarterback, not only obviously in, you know, 
becoming just better physically, um, but just the mental side of the game just by watching them. So it, it was I really enjoyed my time. I was blessed to be able to um, contribute whatever I did to his career as well as learn from him during his time in Pittsburgh. And obviously we wish him well and a great retirement and be excited for him when he is inducted into the Hall of Fame coming up. Um, what has been the toughest lesson you've learned as a pro since you've come into the league? What's the toughest lesson you had to learn? Oh, um, I, you know, I think there's a couple, I think, mm-hmm. you know, first, first you just, you realize the level of difficulty at the NFL and how minuscule, it, not level of difficulty, excuse me, the, the level of parity between the talent mm-hmm. level at the NFL, um, is very minuscule. You know, everyone out there is really good. You know, whether they come from the University of Tennessee, Florida, mm-hmm. played SEC ball, or whether they played you know, D2, D3 ball, they're on that field. They're supposed to be there. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have so much a different level of respect for the game and the players that you're playing against. And in your preparation to compete against, you know, the top really 1,500 athletes in the world, per se. So mm-hmm. um, that was first. Um, I think, you know, second, you learn just how much of a business, you know, football is. Um, you grow up in, in high school where you're playing against, playing with and against everyone you grew up with, your best friends, people you go to school with. Um, then college, you know, of course, it's a little bit more of a business, but at least everyone's the same age group and you go through a certain level of adversity in order to get to game day in college. Um, but the NFL is, is completely different. Not only the team dynamic, you have guys anywhere from 20 years old to uh, 40, 42 years old, but also just, you know, how you're perceived within, you know, with the ownership of the team. You know, it's like they feel, you know, they can go acquire someone to help the team, you know, at your expense. You know, you're on a plane like (laughs) for me, you're on a plane to Jacksonville a day after you play New England uh, Patriots to start the season. Yeah. So, it's a whole different, you know, dynamic, which is tough because you grow up loving the camaraderie, you loving the sense of community aspect of the game. Um, and not to say it isn't there, it's just, you know, harder to find and establish. But um, outside of that, outside of those two things, um, you know, it, it's not bad at all. I don't, don't have many complaints. You know, you're playing the game that you love. I've been playing football for crazy it's been like 22 years now so um <laughs> it's been a ride for sure but i'm enjoying it i gotta ask you about the balls now i gotta ask you about hype yep. so i was in the building for a lot of this in person and just the excitement and we'll see what happens with nico uh it looks pretty good mm-hmm. uh, i saw that nico. it looks pretty promising they rolled out the red the, I guess the orange carpet for him when he came exactly. on exactly do you remember your first visit before I even ask you about Hypo? Do you remember your yeah. first experience? Cause you're a local Georgia kid like me. I went to Parkview and you went to Alpharetta. So a little bit different, okay. uh, but yeah, that's what, do you remember your first time on campus? Yeah. So um, my first time on campus, I came up before I started playing varsity ball. So my sophomore mm-hmm. year, I came up um, to visit like a spring game mm-hmm. and I wasn't really like, I wasn't getting recruited. It was just, you know, when they let high school people reach out, they let you just come see the game. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I was with a big group of people and we were late. So I got there in the fourth quarter of the <laughs> spring game. So I didn't really see anything at all. But mm-hmm. at least I saw Neyland per se. So mm-hmm. we were there for literally a day and then left. 
Um, so then after that, I got then I started playing varsity, and so at the end of my senior year, uh, well, going to my senior year, Dooley was the coach, and he recruited me a mm-hmm. little bit, but didn't offer, so I never visited. And then Coach Jones um, offered, called me, and offered um, on his first day on the job, and oh, so, wow. and so a part of that was obviously taking an official visit. So he would Coach mm-hmm. Jakey was my OC, and he would send Coach Jake. Uh, to my school literally every time he was in the state of Georgia. So obviously <laughs> recruiting is the first class. So between – he was hired in December, and mm-hmm. I ended up visiting January 26th. So it was my birthday weekend. And between mm-hmm. that month spread, I think Coach Jay came to my school like 10 times, which is a oh, ton. Wow. So it was yeah. there a ton. I got a chance to meet him. I was coming to Arizona State at the time. Not mm-hmm. really considering Tennessee because I had never been there and it just started <laughs> uh, showing interest and it was a month before signing day. So um, I remember it's the weekend of my 18th birthday, January 26th weekend that year. It's Friday and I was playing baseball for the high school. So I had baseball practice right after school and Tennessee invited me up for official visit, last weekend of official visits. And I wasn't going to go. Because I mm-hmm. visited four other schools the weeks before I was tired. I just wanted to hang out <laughs> at home and enjoy my 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm yeah. just going to go to Arizona State, um, kind of call it a day, go from there. Um, yeah. My parents, I'm laying down after practice. They drag me out of my room, put me in the car. We drive up to Tennessee. And, you know, they said, you know, this school is going to show this much effort, um, and this much commitment to you to be their quarterback. You know, who are we to turn down at least the opportunity to go see the university? So mm-hmm. we drove up to Tennessee. Um, and, you know, first dinner was at the Sun Sphere. The next <laughs> day, we saw all of campus from the engineering building to Neyland Stadium to the complex to everything. We actually had dinner in Neyland Stadium. They had a birthday cake for me. And this was crazy. Okay. I'm very specific about my birthday cake. I only like okay. chocolate cake with white icing. Um, And somehow Coach Jones figured that out. And I only like it from Walmart. Like, that's the only (laughs) where I'll eat the cake from. It has to be that cake. And wait, uh, so hold on. Have you like gone around, just tried different places, and you're like, this doesn't work for me? I like, I've tried. Yeah, I've been eating. I mean, I've been eating. Yeah, I've been eating cake since I was like four, you know? Yeah. And that's the only only cake I'll eat for my birthday. If I go to someone Uh else's birthday and they have like cake from Publix, I won't eat it because it's not Walmart. It's it's not serious. Is that serious? So Coach Jones found out that was the only cake I liked and went and uh-huh. got the cake for my birthday in Neyland Stadium. Um, and it was just, it just showed the touch of like, okay, I like actually care about this guy to actually figure out what type of cake he likes for his uh-huh. birthday. And, you know, I didn't only get that sense from Coach Jones. I got that sense from all, all around campus. It really felt like home, mm-hmm. felt like family. So that was my first impression of Tennessee. Um, and I ended up decommitting on the day before signing day and committing to Tennessee. And then people always ask, like, what was your first game in Neal? The first game in Neal was, like, my first game as a Tennessee football player playing Austin mm-hmm. Peay. I had no clue what ball walk was. I had no clue what running out of the tee was. I was just, I just, was just taking it all in for the first time, brand new to the scene. That's wild. Um, have you have you been in contact at all with Hendon with uh, what he's doing this past year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was so excited to see um, how well he played this year. You know, mm-hmm. I talked to the QBs briefly um, last spring um, when I was up on campus, 
And so going to the end, obviously it was a QB competition. And so yeah. Joe Milton wasn't there, but it was expressed with them just compete, let the best man win, you know, and support mm-hmm. each other, obviously, through that. Um, and so to see how well he's done, uh, the transition he's made, and just how he's provided a spark, you know, in that offense, it was exciting to see this year. And you know, really, they can do whatever they set out um, to achieve this year. I'm excited to see how he plays. But he's definitely been on my list to stay in contact with and just check in and um, definitely rooting for him. He seems like a just a great kid, and his story. I don't know if he's like his his brother. I think is a player. I don't know if he's still there, but NCAA or NCANT. I'm pretty sure because his dad okay. played there as well. But I'm yeah, so it's it's in the family. But he has uh, like he just he didn't even meet uh or like he came in after or before Hypel was hired, and he was like in this weird blip in January. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's amazing how timing works. Like he wasn't even. Like he he didn't sign up to play in Heupel's offense, and then of course now he's a Heisman candidate the following year. You never know how life's gonna go, right? Like it's exactly, just, it's wild. It is. It definitely. It, it was just cool to see, you know, just in general, right? You're not mm-hmm. you're, you're never really in control always of mm-hmm. you know the circumstances you're placed in, right? You're never really in control of when you get an opportunity, but all you are in control in control of is you know if you're prepared to take advantage of that opportunity, and that's exactly what he was able to do. What do you think is the m- most fun part of playing, being a quarterback in Hypel's scheme? When you think about what kind of scheme he's running versus yeah. what you've run in the past, what is the best part about being a quarterback in that scheme? Well, they, I, I, you know, they spread the game out. They make it so easy. And so it allows you to make quick decisions um, and just identify the one-on-one matchup. And so it's cool mm-hmm. to see, you know, it's like too high. They're running and because of the splits, the way they take advantage of every inch of the field, you have an advantageous box, a good run look. Um, so whether you're running the ball, running, running the ball, you know, at some point it's going to be one-on-one with a guy in space and then they play single high and now you got your best receivers matched up one-on-one on the outside, which is, you know, a pretty, a pretty efficient way to play the game. So we're able to yeah. do that. Obviously we've seen them. They, they play <laughs> extremely fast, um, uh, but allows you to have the defense on their heels, take advantage of what they're giving, even take advantage of their fatigue, um, so, no, the offense is fun to watch. We had to play against it when we played high points at Missouri. And yeah. we were in a shootout my senior year versus him. Um, so, seeing the offense is very QB-friendly, QB-centric, which is exactly mm-hmm. what you need to compete in the SEC. Do you think do you think because a lot of people are wondering because I mean he got it's the first quarters where it's just amazing what Hypo was doing to teams early and often mm-hmm. where I was telling people I was like they're going to be up on Georgia after the first quarter like Georgia is not going to be right re- like it's just and Georgia had to adapt like they're of players course. got benched they moved you have to adapt like Hypo it's different when you have this kind of offense right where you force the defense to adapt to you. And that's a really cool thing to, for fans to experience, but also just like guys like Hendon Hooker to go in and be like, we're going to put points up on you. We're not nervous about anything because we believe in our yeah. matchups. Cedric Tillman's going to get his like Javante Payton's going to get his Velas Jones is going to get his. It's, it's kind of wild to think about, right? Did you have that feeling uh, when you were at Tennessee, where you were like, Oh, these matchups outside, like the defense is going to have to, they, there's only so much they can do because we're just better and we have the pieces mm-hmm. to do what I want to do. Correct. Yeah. I remember when we played like Florida my senior mm-hmm. year, uh, the touchdown to Juwan, it was yeah. the exact same instance. You know, kind of knew when they were going to play man to man coverage. And we have been talking about it all week, you know, if we get, it was actually ironic. We said, if we get 
Um, Malone matched up on um, Tez. I think he's changed his name so many times. <laughs> the corner, Jawan caught it on. We get Malone matched yeah. up on him. We like it. We get um, Jawan matched up on Quincy Wilson. We like it. And so we came out of our main coverage. They actually were the opposite. Malone was on Quincy and Jawan was on Tabor. And so, but it was just like that. You know, it's one on one matchup outside and you got to trust your guy to go up and make a play. And so it's yeah. cool, like with Hypo's offense, for that example, you know, they were able to get so much, so many more one on one matchups because of the pace that they play at and the splits that they play at. Because you can't mm-hmm. play quarters, really, you know, with your nickel in an apex look when you have the slot receiver lined up on the college numbers 20 mm-hmm. yards from the end of <laughs> in man line scrimmage you know you just can't play football like that especially then you're going fast you gotta worry about matchups you gotta worry about okay what coverage adjustment are we going to make to the specific receivers yeah. there's so much going on so teams have to play man well then is exactly what you're saying now you get your receivers and advantageous looks and it's we're throwing a go ball we're throwing an inside fade we're throwing a slant off of it we're throwing a locked hitch you know we're throwing a yeah. post we're doing so so many route combos that you know they don't they can't defend them, and so I'm excited to see you know with the year of everyone back under the same offensive scheme, uh, playing much faster, which is crazy. I mean they're already stopping the ball in nine seconds, but mm-hmm. they're playing much faster than they were last year. I'm excited to see how they how many more yards and points they put up and how well they hang with the SEC. I'm excited, man, because guess what? They're back in Athens where you you destroyed a lot of Athens UGA fans years ago. But I want to ask you about it. Like, do you remember? I mean, just the back and forth was insane, obviously, when Eason yeah. had the bomb and you're down. And then you have the like the great because um, then they kick it out of bounds. I want to say they kicked it out of bounds. That gave no, 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 no. Was it a penalty so, after the celebration? Yeah. Is that what it was? They got the, yeah. they got the celebration penalty, uh-huh. backed them up 15 yards because they would have right. just kicked out back the end of yeah. Then they pooch kicked it to Evan Barry. That's right. And then Evan, Evan, I think that was the lost play of that whole story. You know, Evan catches mm-hmm. the ball on the 35 yard line. And he returns it like 25 yards in <laughs> six seconds and gets out of – well, it didn't matter because the clock was going to stop. But the fact yeah. that he could have kept running but then got out of bounds in Hail Mary range because on the sideline right. we were talking – we're going to – we were talking hook and lateral, you know, like Stanford, mm-hmm. UCLA type stuff, you know. Just hope, you know, you can get a shot, keep the game alive yeah, and score. And so when he's doing that, you know, it even turned into – or do we just kick a field goal to try a field goal to tie the game? You know, mm-hmm. he put us in the shot to have all those options. And then for narrow sorry, right, let's, let's throw it, let's throw it to Jawan and let him come down with it. And that's exactly what he did. Do you remember just that, like in the play, like just, I imagine being in that moment where you're in the huddle and you're like, Jawan, this is going to you. Like, I need you to go win us this game. Like, how does, were you nervous at all? Was Jawan like, Oh, let's do this. I got this. Did you, had that trust where it's just like something you just don't think about in the moment. You're less mm-hmm. like, this is the play. This is what we're doing. Let's handle our business and let's do this. Or like what, what goes through your mind in a hail Mary situation like that? Well, it shows actually something we practice a ton. Okay. Um, while we were there, you know, every Friday we practice in the game procedures and plays. So that's like the last play every Friday. Sometimes we throw it, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't, but it's still, we at least walk through it and everyone knows where they're supposed to be. So you have a jumper right where Juwan caught the ball. You have a guy on the back end line 
you have a guy on the front mm-hmm. need protection for the guys to get 50 yards down the field to throw it, right? And so Georgia ended up only rushing three people, and we had six protecting. So a tremendous protection. Guys got down there. And so it's not really something, you know, that we, like, said because just the trust mm-hmm. was already built in there. You know, exactly what I said, like, preparation prepared you for those opportunities. So because we had rehearsed it, we walked through it a ton of times, everyone just instinctively knew where they were supposed to get to on the field. Um, and then it's like, you know, Georgia fans down here are insane. Um, yeah. I think half my high school went to Georgia. So mm-hmm. um, it definitely was a, a, a feel-good feeling to to uh, do it there as well and to kind of take the soul out of the stadium, you know? <laughs> oh, it was it was wild, man. And maybe uh, Hinda can do something similar this fall. I don't yeah. know. They're going to put up points, and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, For sure. What what do you miss most about being a student at UT? What do you, like what do you still think about that? You're like, oh man, I miss that part of Tennessee. Yeah, it's like the little things, you know. Obviously, I miss living with my roommates and being on campus. Mm. Uh, but like the biggest thing I miss is just walking across campus to class, you know, and just seeing classmates, you know, people I knew, teammates. Um, professors, whoever, and just interacting in just that community sense. That was also like the most interesting thing. Um, you know, we get to NFL. Um, it's because like when you're in college, right, you finish class, you walk across campus, you see everyone, you get to the you get to the complex, you're in there, but there's still like there's other athletic teams coming in and out. So you're still seeing people across campus, you know, and in, in the NFL it's just the Steelers at the complex. So there's, yeah, there's, there's none of that sense of camaraderie community. And then when you're in season, I mean, as we talked about, it's such a grind when practice ends, you know, you go home, you watch some film, you go to sleep, you wake up, you come back and you do the same thing over and over. So I miss that sense of community um, where you're just walking across campus and seeing everyone that, you know, Um, you know, you miss your teammates because you spend so much time together in college, you know, um guys that i'm still friends with you come in as an 18 year old especially for me you know i was the only child you know i didn't get out the house much in between (laughs) school and sports growing up so um you know you just miss you know those those opportunities just to hang out with your buddies guys that whether you live together um whether you spent so much time together running and enormous amount of 110 yard sprints at the complex you know where you sweated together where you bled together and then at the end of the day ultimately where you competed on game days with those guys you know mm-hmm. college ends and then everyone goes their separate ways guys go to the league guys move on um and it's so hard to be able to see everyone and and um catch up about old memories so i miss that aspect of it um, obviously I miss the excuse to wear orange every day too, as well. Um, no, you can still wear orange every day and still, still go, you can still do that. I got to yeah, sprinkle you can still do it that. in. I got to mm-hmm. sprinkle it in a little bit, but yeah, yeah, man, of course there's, there's a lot of stuff I miss. I don't miss closing down the library every day. You know, I'm oh, glad I was just there last night. We, were you really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, was, I, was, I lived there. Club Hodges. Mm-hmm. That's what we called it. Club Hodges. <laughs> Club man, Hodges. it's. 
I, I don't think much has changed there uh, since you were there, no. man. It's it's still the same kind of deal um, outside of there being during the COVID times of people watching like you can't do food and drinks, even though they had the Starbucks on the lower level. So you yeah. can get the Starbucks, but then you have to like leave with it. So it's like, what's the, why would I get a coffee if I can't go up to the library with my coffee? coffee that was something. Yeah. It was that was a wild time where the the police on how much coffee we were allowed to have or watching that. That was that was a, a weird time uh, last year. But uh, what's your favorite cheat meal, Josh? Like what's your we know you like Walmart cake, chocolate cake Walmart with cake. white icing. Yeah. But yeah. like what is your what's your cheat meal? What do you what do you like? I don't have a huge cheat meal. I have like mm-hmm. snacks that absolutely devour. Okay. When I eat them, I inhale them. I love um, Garrett's Garrett's uh, gourmet popcorn, the okay. cheese, the cheddar mm-hmm. cheese. I get the big tins, and I probably get <laughs> probably bad to admit. I get um, I get the family size tin, probably like one every three weeks, and I just uh-huh. devour it. Just sitting oh, out, wow. just demolish it, and then to go with that, a great mix. You get the Albanese gummy bears. Uh-huh. And it's like it's the best mix ever. So those are my I'm two things. I'm a big gummy bear guy. Yeah. yeah, those are fire. They got great flavor. <laughs> I can't do the pomegranate one, but outside of that, they're really good. You put them in the freezer, take mm-hmm. them out after an hour. They're a little frozen, a little hard. Dangerous. Okay. Last question. We'll we'll wrap here, Josh. Um, the year if you had like you're a planner. And you're thinking ahead, you got your different things going on. You're, but like, if you had to envision, if you had to guess what the first year after your NFL career is over, what are you doing? What do you think you're done? That's a great question. Um, um, I don't know. You know, I've been able to do so much Mm -hmm. um, so far just in my off seasons. And, you know, that's, you know, I would say, the reason I say I don't know is because just like my overall mentality and mindset, you know, I, I get and I do have like an overall plan of stuff I want to get accomplished and get done. But, you know, I also understand that in order to achieve those goals, those plans, you have to maximize, you know, what you're doing right now. You have to stay in the moment. And so that's what I that's what that's what I'm doing. I'm working and growing and building to those plans. So, as we said, I. You know, I've built my business. I'm working on building uh, my astro business um, off the field. You know, I've established my foundation in the last month. You know, where we're actually having our first um, found our first fundraiser coming up this spring. You know, we'll be awesome host, hosting a VFO golf tournament at Tennessee National. We'll have a concert okay. as well, open to the public. More details will definitely come out soon on the mm-hmm. concert. We'll be excited to announce who's performing. Um, and so finding ways to grow the foundation in order to create opportunities for the youth in the areas that impacted me. Uh, um, not only that, also continuously pursuing my engineering career. Um, so I don't know, I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of moving parts. So to say to, I don't, and as I said, you know, I don't like to be, you know, boxed into one thing. Yeah. So to say what I will be doing my first year out, um, I don't know, it's a mystery to both me and you, Chase, but. I do know it'll be something very productive and exciting. I have no doubt in my mind. I have no doubt in my mind it will be that, Josh. Well, how do the good folks, as we wrap up here, how do the good folks support your foundation and support everything that you're doing in your business? How do they How do they support you? For sure. So foundation, our foundation is called um, Extraordinary Dobbs Foundation. Um, April 29th will be the date of our golf fundraiser and concert. 
So you can stay mm-hmm. in touch and in tune with my social medias for announcements on that. Um, as well as, you know, Astral Merch is my company. And uh, we've had our first three very successful drops and we'll be really excited to release our spring and summer line coming up. So um, I'll have a lot, a lot of, um, I'll have a lot of information definitely coming everyone's way via social media. Josh Dobbs on Instagram, pretty simple. Josh Dobbs on TikTok, pretty simple. And then Josh <laughs> underscore Dobbs one on Twitter. So I'll be excited to release all the information. Um, so definitely stay tuned to what we have going on. Awesome. Well, good luck, man. I'm sure everything's going to go great in late April. I think it's it's going to be good. The concert, so go support Josh if you have not already done so and go keep up with everything he's got going on. Um, Josh, good luck with free agency. Good luck uh, this summer and uh, everything going forward, man. This has been a pleasure and I, I, great, I just graciously uh, appreciate you making the time for me this evening. I, I greatly appreciate it. No doubt. Appreciate you, Chase. Thanks for having me on and don't spend too much time in the library. Okay. I can't promise that. I'm kind of a dork. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can promise that. I don't know if I can promise it. But thanks, Josh. No problem. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast where, oh yeah, all things NFL because we wanted to record a podcast where uh, half of the stuff we talk about is irrelevant because NFL free agency is uh absurd at the moment that uh just the jaguars have decided to spend all of their money uh immediately uh shout out to trent balky a uh, good friend of the pod with mr evan swords uh, but to besties. talk y'all are besties people forget um to talk all things nfl in our off-season roundtable on this uh, monday evening edition of the podcast it's called enveloping the the nfl we're gonna envelop the nfl because we're gonna cover everything on this podcast but it's a first timer jared bailey jared good evening sir how are you i'm doing well guys how are you doing not too bad not too bad evan swords who i mentioned at the top of the show is here as he is every monday night evan good evening sir how are you i am well and i think it's absolutely hilarious that as you open the podcast talking about how trent balky is spending so mm-hmm. much money literally got the notification that he just signed uh zay jones Mm. as well so he's just continuing to just add anyone and everyone he gave them a three-year uh up to 30 million dollar contract 24 uh, million dollar base for zay jones for zay jones my goodness trent bulky they're Um, really just except like they're they're fat like i don't even know what the word would be they're streamlining i guess the houston texans deshaun watson era in houston where they're just i i don't feel good about anything uh with jacksonville we'll get into jacksonville in one second but i as we start uh jared so evan and i we always start with our teams like our time our team stuff and with the falcons right here we got the falcons right here shout out to the falcons you got the steelers down there evan doesn't actually have any 49er stuff surprisingly anywhere in his area i can't see it i know well, so yeah. that's the thing is like every time I've ever had like a setup, like I wish you could see like my setup mm-hmm. looking this way is just awesome. But mm-hmm. everything like I, I don't have a like a background s mm-hmm. room, right? Like I could like put something like way over here. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't really work. So I got my Niners stuff right like there. <laughs> and it, it's some other things going on. You can't really see it right there, but that's. 49ers legends, uh, Roger Craig, Jerry Rice, and Joe Montana all signed. Oh, very cool. 
But you know, yeah. I got the elongated uh, banana right. room. There you go. Hey, it is what it is. It's cool. We'll we'll get there. the The pod's not going anywhere, Evan. Um, but also Jarrett's Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, top of the show, we had uh, Josh Dobbs on. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. But um, shout out to Josh, super cool dude, and really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you guys did too. But um, Jarrett, you're the guest. We're going to start with your team. Um, mm-hmm. They signed Mitchell Trubisky this week. That is the big, the big thing out of Pittsburgh where people were <laughs> like, is it going to be Deshaun Watson? Are they going to trade for him? We knew that Flores coming to Pittsburgh would probably link them even more because yeah. Flores is so high on Deshaun and uh, reportedly wanted him in Miami. But now you just went out and signed. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Evans, San Francisco 49ers. He, we were talking about it for the <laughs> last few weeks, if they were going to make a trade and give up draft capital um, for Jimmy Garoppolo. But now you just went out and signed Mitch Trubisky, which caught me by surprise. I don't know if it caught Evan by surprise, but what is going on with Pittsburgh and the quarterback room? And were you as surprised as all of us with the Mitch Trubisky signing? Yes and no. I think a lot of people, I mean, myself included, would say Mitch Trubisky wasn't the first choice of Steeler fans. You know, when all of this stuff with Aaron Rodgers going on, everybody was kind of hoping, okay, you know what? Send a package to Green Bay, get Rodgers. He resigns. Soon after that, people are like, all right, try to get Russell Wilson. Well, about an hour later, Wilson gets dealt to Denver. And so, you know, that took the two biggest fish out of the pond. And mm-hmm. then you're like, all right, is it going to be Carson Wentz? Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it going to be maybe Kirk Cousins as a dark horse? You know, who's it going to be? Um, I didn't think it was going to be Mitch. I thought that he was going to go elsewhere, maybe a place like New York, where it would be a Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota type situation from a few years ago, where, you know, Daniel Jones would be on a, on a short leash. And then, you know, if he doesn't play well, then they would put in Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, obviously they had history with uh, Brian Dable and, and uh, Joe Shen. So that that would have made sense to me for Trubisky. But um, it's not the worst case scenario for Pittsburgh. I think worst case scenario would have been someone like Jacoby Brissett, where it's just very clear, like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> the sky is falling. They're not going to win five games this year. Um, so, I mean, Trubisky, like, look, he's a former number two overall pick. He's got some upside. He's athletic. He's not going to make, you know, game-changing mistakes, you know, if they can plug the holes that they need to defensively, where, you know, if they can sign someone like Stefan Gilmore at cornerback, bring back Akella Witherspoon, then they've got, you know, a solid cornerback room with those two if they, if they do decide to bring them in, along with Trey Norwood, who they drafted in the seventh round last year. They re-signed Arthur Millett. Uh, Justin Lane is still there. So th- that would give them a solid five cornerbacks that they can run deep. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick's still there. We'll see if they bring back Terrell Edmonds or try to go after a guy like Jordan Whitehead. Um, but the fact that it's a two-year deal for Mitch, more than likely somewhere in the range of $10 million, gives them a little bit of working money that they can try to you know, bring in somebody else on the defensive end. Hopefully, um, when draft time does come, I think that the signing of Mitch Trubisky does tell us, though, that it is going to be a quarterback in round one. So they could try to move up and get Malik Willis. They could stay put and get a guy like Matt Corral if he's still there, Sam Howell if he's still there. Um, you know, if the commander's trading for Carson Wentz, I think that kind of frees up a little bit um, and takes away teams that would take a quarterback, at least in round one. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely not what a lot of people would have had as their first option. Certainly wasn't the last option, though. Um, so we'll see. Um, but when you look at what other teams are doing, you're looking at 
you know, the Carolina Panthers, they decide Austin Corbett looks like they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. I would have loved to have seen the Steelers do exactly that, but you know, Dave Tepper and company over in Carolina are doing exactly what the Steelers should be doing right now. Well, he came from Pittsburgh, right? Like he's, uh, he, he took yep. maybe the ideas uh, from Pittsburgh, but I just, my question too, with the quarterback room, cause you guys have options. Like you, you trade for Dwayne Haskins as like a flyer last year. We'll see what happens. We'll bring him in another project guy, another project first round quarterback. Um, and then you talk about using a, a first round pick on the quarterback this year. Why not? just wait because we got Bryce Young in next year's draft we've got like next year's draft CJ Stroud it's just going to be a better quarterback talent pool in next year's draft why reach on a first round quarterback this year with the kind of class that you have instead of just rolling with the quarterback room of veterans and guys like Dobbs guys like Rudolph and just a collection of competent good solid players that can get you through this year like whatever who whatever the case may be with those veteran stop gaps just do that instead of burning a first round pick on a on a, a that just seems like every nfl mind sees it as a weak quarterback class does that not concern you and they could very well do that like mm-hmm. from what you know people like thor nystrom from nbc sports are saying is that they like willis a lot so if he's there at 20 i would be very shocked if they passed on him huh. um but if he's not there, you know, if somebody else takes him, it would. I, I'd be somewhat shocked if they took, you know, Corral or Howell if, if they were there. I would love to see them go offensive line though, because I understand that they just re-signed Chuksakor for. That's a move, by the way, that the fans aren't exactly pleased with um, at right tackle. Um, yeah. So, but they did also sign Mason Cole, a center from the Vikings, who I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about. Uh, but Vikings fans seemed kind of upset that he was leaving. So that's always a good sign. Uh, if, if you take if a team takes somebody uh, away from a team and the fans are pretty bummed about it, that's usually a good sign that okay, you know, Steelers could have somebody there. Um, the assumption would be that Mason Cole would start at center, and if that's the case, then maybe they go guard in the first round, which they hmm. absolutely need to do for the right side of the offensive line. Um, so that is a, uh, a route that they could take. They could go cornerback in the first round. Um, Maybe linebacker. I mean, Devin Bush had a very down year last year in his first full year back since the ACL injury. We'll see what they do there. But I think that interior offensive line, cornerback, and potentially linebacker would be the other options in the first round if Malik Willis is gone and if they decide not to go quarterback. Is it still Kevin Colbert's show? Like, what is that transition like? Is he the one who makes the call on Trubisky and drafts Malik Willis? Is that his thing? That's a good question, man. You know, I would have, I mean, obviously he's going to have a say in it. It's just a matter of how much of a say, because Mm -hmm. look, I would love nothing more for this team to just say Lewis Riddick is our next guy Mm -hmm. and then just ride that out. I feel like if they would have done that already and Lewis was in there with Colbert and they were maybe working together or whatnot, Steelers offseason would look a little bit different, but I, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know, how much is Lewis Riddick the favorite to succeed him still? He's definitely one of the ones in the running. They could hire within house, which would be the most Steeler thing to do is not look <laughs> outside the organization uh, and just hire somebody like an Omar Khan. So we'll see. Um, but I would love Lewis Riddick to be the next one. Online. It would be a very Steeler hire for them to hire him too. I mean, they hired Mike Tomlin and who is now the lo- one of the longest reigning head coaches in the NFL. One of only three minority head coaches. Uh, they bring in Brian Flores in the midst of him suing the NFL as a senior defensive assistant. So, I mean, hiring Lewis Riddick wouldn't be out of the realm of what the Roonies do. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend to know how much of a say Kevin Colbert currently has. He's there till the end of the draft and then he's uh, going into retirement. Um, now, now there's been a lot of people saying, okay, if he's going to leave anyway, why not just leave? Well, because this entire draft process is a very elongated thing. They yeah. have the guys that they really like right now. Bringing in somebody else right now would just tank the entire thing. So I completely understand why he's staying that long. But I also would have liked them to bring in, you know, whomever is next in line to at least work with him in that transition. Because, you know, yeah, the offseason could have looked or they want a free agency could have looked a little bit different for Pittsburgh for the better. And again, that's not saying that Mitch Trubisky is bad. He's not like he's a very competent guy, a guy who has a lot to prove now. Um, and going to an organization like Pittsburgh, I think, is best case scenario for him rather than going to a place like New York where they still have a lot of question marks themselves and they don't exactly have the greatest history of winning over the last decade. So, you know, under Mike Tomlin with Trubisky, if they continue fixing this offensive line, you know, they'll get some guys back from injury last year. Tyson Alawalu should be back to help with that run defense, which is the worst in the NFL last year. Hmm. Um, So uh, there's a lot of holes that are going to get plugged. And if they plug them well, you know, Trubisky can at least keep them competitive uh, and try to chase a wild card spot again. Interesting. What, um, how, what, cause I think it's interesting. Like, it's just, it, like, it's one of those things where I have to think back where Matt Canada being y'all's OC is mm-hmm. like an easy, forgetful thing where I'm like, eh, so many college football fans know exactly who Matt Canada is <laughs> and no NFL fans know who Matt Canada is. Right. And him just being the OC in Pittsburgh still is kind of wild to me because I just, it, it's just interesting. But do you think, based on what you saw this past year that Trubisky and what he's shown in the past is a good schematic fit for what Canada likes to do. And do you think the offense will look a lot dip, a lot more different uh, with big Ben no longer being under center? And do you think the offensive line improves? Do you think uh, we see just more production out of Najee Harris? Do we see more, do we see a better version of last year's offense with Trubisky? Or do you think this is a trend like Trubisky might not be the best fit for what they're going to try and do? Well, in terms of what they have been doing in Canada's offense, it's a lot of short to intermediate throws. But the thing with that is also that it was very clear that they didn't trust Ben's arm, especially deep over the middle. Um, So that, you know, any sort of deep shot that they would take, it was down the right sideline, down the left sideline, because if it was incomplete, it would go out of bounds. Ben's arm was just dead. So Trubisky has a little bit more juice in his arm than Ben did, you know, at age 39. Uh, going into year 18. So I think that they'll utilize, you know, deep over the middle a little bit more than they have before. And look, Mitch doesn't have the biggest arm, but it's a better arm than what Ben had last year. So I think that that'll definitely help things. Plus he's a hell of a lot more athletic than Ben was like they can utilize different RPO type things in this offense with Mitch. Um, So I think, you know, Canada can take those things that he used in college, kind of incorporate those with Mitch Trubisky because he is an athletic guy. He can move, he can make plays with his legs and he's got an above average arm. So you know, I think that that, at the very least, will make the passing offense a little bit better. And again, like you're not going to find a bigger Ben Roethlisberger fan than I, but it, the wheels are very clearly falling off you know, last mm-hmm. year. So um, I think that that'll definitely help the offense. And if, look, and if they incorporate those types of things and they let Mitch kind of, you know, be almost like a diet Daniel Jones to an extent <laughs> where he can like, look, he can move. He's athletic. He can, you know, make plays on the run. So I'd like to see them incorporate you know, RPO type things, read option type things with Mitch because he does have the ability to, you know, to make plays. Um, in terms of the rest of the offense, uh, we'll see, you know, will they bring back Juju Smith-Schuster? Uh, it was reported today that he's hopeful that they do. If they do, though, it's not going to be for the money that he was looking for, Not especially not last year. You know, he could have gone elsewhere, made more money, 
took a discount, stayed put, got hurt. So now he's going to come back for probably, you know, another team friendly deal if he is staying in Pittsburgh. And then in terms of the offensive line, um, Dan Moore still going to be at left tackle. He got better as the season went on. There was clear progression there for Dan Moore. Kevin Dotson at left guard is still very solid. They got to do something different at center. And I think that's what they're going to do with Mason Cole. Um, Kendrick Green, like, look, there's a lot of people that were excited about him, myself included, uh, out of Illinois last year, third round pick, and it just didn't work. Um, you know, people could say, well, how could you go up on somebody after one year? I mean, if you go back and watch, you know, the offensive line was bad and Kendrick Green was the very clear weakest link of the offensive line. So I think that's why they bring in a guy like Mason Cole from Minnesota um, to kind of plug that hole at center. And then we'll see what they do at right guard. You know, I don't think Trey Turner is going to be back, even though he had a productive season, stayed healthy for the first time in a very long time playing in every game. So good for him on that. Wherever he goes next, he deserves it. Um, and then at right tackle, Chooks Corvor is going to be back. They just gave him a three-year deal. It's going to pay him roughly, I think, eight between eight and nine million dollars a year. Um, so the offensive line doesn't look all that different. But getting Mason Cole, hopefully that helps some things out. And then I think that they'll draft a guy, uh, whether that be in the first or second round. I think it'll be early. So um, yeah, eventually they're going to take a receiver, probably third or fourth round. Um, hmm. They seem to do that every other draft <laughs> anyway, and they always seem to hit. Um, but yeah, it'll be Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool at the one, two, same situation as it was last year. James Washington is almost certainly going to be playing elsewhere. The frustrations for him were very clear. Uh, he yeah. just wasn't getting enough playing time. He wasn't getting enough touches for whatever reason. Um, so he'll be, he'll be playing elsewhere. Ray Ray McLeod probably isn't going to be back. So they're going to need to, uh, to look elsewhere to get these depth guys. But if they bring back Juju on a team-friendly deal, again, that's uh, the same top three that they had going into last year. And that's a fine top three, by the way. Juju Smith-Schuster, if they plug him into the slot like they have been, he's that short yardage guy who doesn't go down after first contact, can get you a first down on a second and six. So um, I would be very fine with that. Then we'll see what they do at you know wide receiver four in the draft, who will eventually secede Juju after this year, unless he balls out and they give him another deal. But I just don't see that happening. So I think all in all, the offense has all the potential to be much better than what it was last year. Uh, but it's going to run through Najee Harris because you know you're not going to ask Mitch Trubisky to throw the ball 35 times a game. You're just not going to do it. So mm-hmm. you know they're going to need to find a way to open up interior run lanes for Najee Harris because he Dan Moore's. I'm sorry. Chooks of Corford isn't a very good run blocker. So running outside to the right, they didn't find a lot of success doing it last year. Um, so a lot of interior runs, a lot of runs to the left. Uh, I think that's what the uh, the game plan will most likely be in terms of getting Najee Harris involved. And also, you know, you know, short little swing passes out of the backfield. We know that, that he was utilized doing that too. So um Najee Harris is going to be what they run through. Pat Fryermuth as well, tight end. You know, he became, you know, if not for Jamar, fantastic season. So I think that they have all the potential in the world to be better. Uh, but it's just a matter of can the offensive line hold up their end of the deal? Interesting. Evan, your team has not really done much. And because Evan Swords is really happy and really excited about all of this, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, you know who's funny? Um, is it Grant Cohn on your yeah. beat? Is It's Grant, right? He's yeah. hilarious. That man just, he wants all the smoke from Niners Twitter and he's hilarious. I'm, I'm a part, like I'm for it. But like the, 
just tweeting out, I think it was today, that Jimmy Garoppolo could be the starter up until camp. Like they might not move him before training camp. And then something about like if he stays, then like like the longer he's there, like he's the starter. Like that you can't uh, change the locker room dynamic like that. Like he is the starter as long as Jimmy G is in San Francisco. How are you doing, buddy? Like it? Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it is mm-hmm. funny watching the collective masses in 49ers Twitter land uh, absolutely lose their <laughs> mind. Um, I think that if 49ers Twitter wanted got what they wanted if they were in charge that you probably look like what uh, the Jaguars are doing right now. And if you're familiar, you know, usually the team that spends the most money in free agency is not going to be the team that's most successful. The 49ers, I mean, it's, it transcends coaches, transcends GMs. The 49ers have not been going out and signing, you know, the, you know, the biggest contracts or the most sought after people since Nate Clemens 15 years ago. I mean, that was literally the last time I think we could really be like, oh, yeah, he made them the highest paid corner, $80 million a year 15 years ago. Um, it's just not what they do. You know, so they lost Lakin Tomlinson, who goes to 49ers East, uh, <laughs> the New York Jets, right? And that was that's a big loss because we traded for him uh, from the Lions, who really didn't know how good he was, maybe just didn't have him in the right position, came in, played very well, uh, was one of the best pieces uh, to the offensive line. He go gets, goes and gets a much-needed payday, but it was just not something the 49ers were ever going to do. They drafted Aaron Banks last year in the second round. Uh, they have a lot of faith in him, although he didn't see a lot of playing time last year. Uh, that's just that's what they're going to do. The Jimmy stuff, the reality is like Jimmy has been just this just like lightning rod of, a, of, a, <laughs> of an NFL news take uh, thunderstorm since the – you know, since the end of last season, even since before that, you know, he's uh, going to play for the Steelers. He's going to play for the Panthers. He's going to play for the Colts, right? He's going to play for basically every single team. And it's, you know, if you ask any of their fans, none of them want him, right? I'm sure Jared wasn't like, we need Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the key, right? Um, but although I did just hear Jared kind of like make uh, Mitch Trubisky almost sound competent. So maybe it's, maybe it's just the Steelers. Uh, you know, world to just think that everything's going to work out. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I mean like Jimmy is not going to be a 49er at the end of the year. He had to get shoulder surgery a lot. You know, there's a lot of people uh, who are either saying he did it on purpose to force them to cut him or it was like a money thing to try and get the most. I don't think it's any of that. I don't, you know, as much, as fun and exciting as all of these stories are, I'm sure Jimmy was like, let's just not get surgery. So it doesn't hurt my draft capital. You know, I, maybe I can get, you know, be, get to go to a better team or whatever. And then at the last second, they're like, it's not healing the way we want it to heal. The doctor's like, yo, you got to get surgery. He's got to get surgery. Um, you know, everyone said surgery went well. You know, they, they expect him to be getting traded soon. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, but the, the team that we kind of all thought that Jimmy would go to, the Colts, is still the team that needs a quarterback, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers have figured out the quarterback situation. Um you know, we all know where the big guys went going to Denver with Russell Wilson, things like that. But even the little guys, right? Like Carson Wentz, uh, he he you know, he gets moved. Like everybody's starting to figure out their quarterback situation, except for the Colts. And I think that whether it was going to be the Steelers or was going to be the Colts, Jimmy's the guy that you're gonna you're gonna trade for him for probably like a second, maybe a third round plus. Nothing crazy. You'll take on that $25 million contract, which is honestly not even that bad as all of these new contracts continue. And they're going to draft a quarterback probably immediately. 
just like with Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers, you know, Malik Willis is probably uh, a you know a significant possibility. Although I now think that because uh, Mitch Trubisky is there, I think that means that they have to go with the other UNC guy and bring in Sam Howell, right? And they could just be like <laughs> Mario and Luigi of uh, you, you know UNC quarterbacks. So it's a, it's it's a lot of drama. Uh, when I think when your team is close to being able to compete for a Super Bowl, we were almost competing for a Super Bowl this last year. You kind of feel like okay, the the off season free agency, that's how you get yourself pushed over the edge, right? Like that's like you know the 49ers are a fan base that remember what it was like to be like we need Deion Sanders, and mm-hmm. it worked. It worked. You know, so we we were born and bred of you know, winning Super Bowls and then going out there and getting these like players to really uh, make that happen. I think that's why they really wanted to see JC Jackson, right? Uh, Stefan Gilmore's another guy where, you know, maybe he's had some injury history, but like he could definitely make a difference, right? You look at, uh, you know, all the different Carlton Davis, like these are the kind of guys that the 49ers fan base were like hoping to get so we can like really like push for the Super Bowl. But the reality is it was never going to happen. You know, you're the... MVS, I can never pronounce his full name. Uh, v- Scout, yeah, I'm not gonna try to. Scatling, yeah, that yeah, guy. Marquez, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. MVS. You know, that was the guy where they're like, you know, he knows the system because mm. he, you know, played in Green Bay and the Trey Lance needs a deep threat. And then, like, you see the tweet where they're like, uh, well, he's probably gonna get about 12 million. And all of us collectively were like, absolutely <laughs> not. <You> know, <laughs> and there's like seven players breaking the 40 yard dash. Uh, you know, at the combine, like the 49ers are going to probably draft or trade or sign, excuse me, uh, you know, an offensive lineman, uh, maybe a defensive end, a middle of the pack, like, you know, not as exciting corner. Um, and then they're going to draft and they'll draft a defensive end or a defensive tackle because that's the only thing the 49ers know how to do. Um, and they'll probably try and draft a, you know, a corner in like the sixth round that won't pan out. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, they'll probably go for uh, – I would say actually probably an, another running back. They've got like two that they drafted, so they probably want to draft another one. It's just yeah. what they do. It's just what they do. I, uh, I'm i excited to see what happens here because if the Jimmy stuff drags out to training camp, man, oh, my goodness. I uh, But there is also some real value to holding on to him for a little bit because injuries happen. Like, we don't know who's going to be healthy um, come August, September, whenever. So there is value. You might be able to get more out of a Jimmy trade for a more desperate team that didn't think they were going to need to make a trade for him. I've now convinced myself that his destination is Carolina, that he was meant to be late stage Jake DeLome, that this is actually what he was meant to be, the reincarnation of Jake DeLome in Carolina, the gunslinger, just the Jake DeLome special. Like he would be a delight. And I'm not saying that because as a Falcons fan, I want uh, Jake DeLome 2.0 in my life, but it's not fair. Let me just go ahead and say on record, um, it's not fair if Tom Brady comes out of retirement and Deshaun Watson enters the division in the same off season, that is, uh, that is a, uh, an illegal move. And I don't like it. I I'm going to go full Lucille Bluth from Arrested development here. I don't understand the question and I won't respond to it because <laughs> this is, uh, this is a travesty. And I, I like people were talking to themselves in, Oh, could the Falcons with Matt Ryan back, could they make a run MC South next year? That's gone. You know what else no. is gone? Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's also gone. It's just darkness everywhere in Atlanta right now. Darkness everywhere. But that that's where I'm at. I think Watson to New Orleans is actually, 
it's going to be one of the two, but I could see New Orleans being the team that just comes out of here and like he wants to play more with it's just more stable organization. And if he's meeting with both of those teams, if you're Deshaun Watson, you're like, I mean, New Orleans has run this division. They've been super like been just right there um, for making the Super Bowl and the last couple of years. And this year they kind of fell off a little bit. But I mean, that's a that's still a roster ready to win now. Um, that's just been in cap hell forever and will continue to be in cap hell. But I I don't know. I, I don't know what happens. I just don't want both of them in my division. That is what I don't want. So okay, first off, you you'll probably be the first and maybe last person I think ever to at this point refer to Jimmy Garoppolo as a gunslinger. Uh, so I like that. That was fun. Um, <laughs> He's a gun, he is hey, gunslinger. Listen, listen. He is in, it, it's in him. He you're wants talking, to be a gunslinger. That is talking, what he wants to be. You're talking to the, like I am the God King of the Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo defense, uh, yeah. you know, the, the defense attorney. Yeah. Right? Like that is my job. I wake up every morning oh. and I'd go defend Jimmy Garoppolo. So I get it. I just thought it was funny to hear it from somebody else. Um, just Deshaun Watson, as much as people want to admit, like, oh, the, the legal stuff is no longer, you know, like he does not, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get charged. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, to quote the great daredevil in Spider-Man No Way Home, right? There's still the court of public opinion. And right. I think the teams that you're going to need to see him go to are the teams like New Orleans, where like they just lost Drew Brees, they just lost Sean Payton. They need something, right? Like as as terrible as it's as it is to say, I think the New Orleans fan base, after losing Drew Brees and Sean Payton, are more mentally inclined to to put up or ignore with the the allegations that he had because they're so desperate to not become the next Jacksonville Jaguars or, you know, not become the next Detroit Lions, right? Where they're like, we're, we were so close, right? We won a Super Bowl with Breeze, and then we tried to get back so many times, but the 49ers just would never let that happen. It was great. <laughs> no, but, like, they, and I think that's where you got to see, like, where's, where's Deshaun Watson going to go? Like, it has to be a place like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just resolved myself that it's it's not my choice. It's not like I don't have any say over any of this. I don't have any say over what his future is like. I don't I I all I can say is I'm glad my team doesn't need a quarterback and that I don't have to deal with that. Like that's something that uh because Matt Ryan's in Atlanta for the foreseeable future, um at least one other year. I uh, Let me play mm. devil's advocate for Carolina okay. though for Deshaun Watson though because if you're Deshaun Watson, do you want to play for Dennis Allen? And not to mention the fact that they're still in cap hell. They're going to have to make at least one or two cuts of guys that are impact players on that defense. that are going to take them a little bit further out of NFC contention. We don't know what's going to happen with Alpha Camara. That's still something that's looming right now. So, and he doesn't really have a number one receiver on that team, by the way. You look at what Carolina has, they're probably going to give up Christian McCaffrey, but you look at what they have, you know, DJ Moore, Terrence Marshall, Shy Smith when he's healthy. They need to fix their offensive line issues, but defensively, like this is a very solid young defense that's getting JC Horn back. Um, they just, I, I think that them right now is a better, more uh, attractive destination than a team like New Orleans, who just lost their you know Hall of Fame head coach and goes to a guy like Dennis Allen, who by the way in his first head coaching tour and uh, with the Raiders went horrid. So I think that right now I think New Orleans being this you know this destination that people want to play. And I think that's a little bit overstated right now in terms of where the franchise sits. Yeah. 
Interesting. I don't know. I guess I, my thing is like I bet on the franchise at this point where it's like I will bet on the consistency and where that front office and that coaching staff and the continuity in New Orleans over Matt Rule is doing like a coaching clinic with Texas mm. Tech next month. So, like, so I don't know if he's the head coach next year. He might not I, be the head coach. He's my he, like that man is ready to go back to college. That man is ready to move on. I'm curious as Chase, as a as an mm-hmm. Atlanta Falcons fan that you are, and right. maybe maybe it's you know like you know maybe it's just hard for you to see it. Uh, maybe it's Stockholm syndrome, but like you're a fan of a team that almost made it to the Super Bowl, had an incredible starting quarterback, and then got into cap hell. Everything started to fall around them, and you're looking at the Saints, and you're like. Everything looks fine. <laughs> the Saints are literally going through exactly what put mm. you I, like literally you look you were just five minutes ago sounded like you just came out of new Batman movie. Like you're <laughs> like, it's dark, you know, like there's no happiness over here. I'm listening mm-hmm. to Nirvana. Like the Saints are screwed. They mm-hmm. he's, everything he just said, they have no money, they have no like all of their like impact players, like Michael Thomas for the last three years, like played well as a yak guy, but also like was injured. Alvin Kamara, very, you know, very good, but injured. Like they draft and develop so well, man. Like it's just more of, I bet on Ireland and Loomis. I bet on Dennis Allen, what he's done with that defense year over year. That defense hasn't slipped. Like until it slips, I'm not betting on it to slip. Like Dennis Allen, like and Carmichael is still running the offense. They didn't do it with an outside hire at OC. They flirted with it. It seems like a little bit, but I don't know. I, I think it's just more of like New Orleans has been so stable for a decade now. And I understand that not having Peyton there anymore will hurt. And then Drew Brees having an MVP type or Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer under center helps things tremendously. But they were good last year with Jameis before he got hurt. Like they were probably a playoff team before his injury. So I don't know. I, I just I don't think their playoff streak would have ended last year. And I think people would look at them a little bit differently if Jameis didn't get hurt because they were they were up and down just with the Jameis experience, but it was enough where they're a playoff team last year if he stays healthy. So Carolina, I don't know. Carolina is just so volatile, and they were so bad last year. Like, this was a bad team last year and a bad situation. And if you're trading McCaffrey, it, the value can't be great. Like, I, what, what do you think, Jerry? Who do you think gets a bigger package this offseason, Saquon or Christian McCaffrey? Because if it sounds like both might get moved. Who gets better? I think they're going to be very, very similar. Like mm. whichever, whichever domino falls first, when the other one gets traded, teams are going to be like, okay, what did they just trade for Christian McCaffrey? We're going to give you about the same thing for Saquon Barkley and vice versa. Because look, both are fantastic talents. Both have been kind of dealt bad hands. Christian McCaffrey's missed 23 of the last 33 games he could have played in. And then you look at Saquon Barkley, who had the fantastic rookie year, and then he tears the ACL last year. And then he hurts the ankle or tears the ACL two years ago, hurts the ankle last year and misses a ton of time. So, I mean, the last two years for him, and it's been, it's been very, very similar boats for Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Um, in terms of where they go, I, I think that Miami makes sense for, mm. for one of them. Um, you know, I, they just signed Chase Edmonds, I do believe. Yeah. From, so, but. People are way too high on that, by the way. Yeah, like he's just Chase, another he's a jag. He's just another guy. Chase Edmonds is a fine depth piece, but he's not mm. gonna, you know, take your running game to new heights. I think if you get a guy like Saquon Barkley in there, um, to help Tua Tungavailoa out in the run game and also the pass game, because we know that he can be a dynamic threat as a receiver. I think that that could be something 
worthwhile. And same thing for Christian McCaffrey. You, you can pretty much copy and paste everything said about Saquon Barkley about uh, Christian McCaffrey. They're very similar in their play styles. So Miami is a place that I would pay attention to for for either of those two. As Why do a, I have this bad feeling that McCaffrey's ending up in New England? Why do I have this? Wouldn't that be yeah. something? Huh? I mean, that, I just I'm not really worried about that. Like McCaffrey's Mac Jones feels is like a, a very, pat. I don't know. So first and foremost, as there was manager, also there was also murmurs about Buffalo potentially being in the mix. Ooh, I, I like that a lot more. The the Panthers really need to like I mean, this is I don't know this this is very niche for me, but like <laughs> the Panthers need to trade Christian McCaffrey. And sign Raheem Mostert for like two million a year. You love like, Mostert. You yeah. do. You do love Mostert. I, I actually don't. I first off, I am not saying the 49ers should, should resign him. <laughs> but like, I mean, if you're gonna get like, if you want a running back that's gonna be injured and that can oh, no. like have boomer bust potent, you know, potential, you might as well get one that's like ten million dollars a year cheaper. I just feel bad because it's like it's gonna be one of those things where it's just like the Rams when they traded for um, what's his name uh, Sonny Michelle and it was like oh they get another for it's just when you see first round pick attached to a name it's just it the average fan is just like oh it's awesome or the talking heads it's such a late it's like no he he got moved already because it was it was over like the bot like it was already over and it was sad like the Rams just won a Super Bowl with one of the worst run games of any Super Bowl winner ever like people talk about like them taking it's like no that didn't help at all like that was it was rough they invested a lot of draft capital and trade stuff and it did not work at all like without Stafford that is a nightmare if you look at at, look for both of these guys Mm -hmm. I think that if you're the Buffalo Bills you need to be in on it because you get because there's connections to both teams. McDermott spent a lot of time in Carolina before he came to Buffalo. And obviously Brian Dable and Joe Shedd are now in New York. I think that you got to call both of them, see what you can get. I feel like Dable would be the one who sweetens the pot just a little bit. We're like, okay, take Saquon for like a three and a six and a five next year. Have a nice mm-hmm. day. Something like that. Um, but I think that for the Buffalo Bills, you look at the one weakness on that offense is the run game. And it's nothing against the guys that they have. I mean, they got Singletary, they got Zach Moss. They're solid guys, but again, we just said it about Chase Edmonds. They're not going to change the dynamic of your offense. Like, they're just not going to do it. Singletary, to be fair to Devin Singletary, second half of last year, played much better, was a big part of that offense. But I think that he's much better in that de facto running back two role where he's just a niche guy. When he's got a guy like Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey in front of him, I think that that would make them so much more dangerous. And maybe that finally gets them over the hump in the AFC if they can, you know, if they can make a move like that. Yeah. Hmm. By the way, while we're here, uh, mm-hmm. for, former Rams defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day is going to be signing with the Chargers. Oh, okay. They're just beefing <laughs> up that defense, are they mm-hmm. not? Oh, it is My absolute goodness. insanity. Absolutely. Hey, when you when you face Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr six times a year, you get pressure and take away the passing lanes. That's the best way you can do to beat them. So kudos to them for knowing that. It is, it is insane. Resigning Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. They are the absolute, like, very early on offseason winners. Yeah, and I, I'm so happy because me and Chase argued Burrow and uh, – you lost that one. That was that was a rough Her, one for you. First, no. First off, I did not <laughs> lose that. It is everlasting and still continuing. It's not. It's already I, over. I'll tell you this much: mm-hmm. Chargers look good coming out of the AFC. Oh God, they do. They what look- year? Like it, that's every year. 
Tom Telesco has never had a bad offseason. Like the Chargers, we always talk ourselves into the Chargers. They're they all, just like, got Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, sir. That's fine. That's not, I've, that's not a Jaguars spending money situation. I'm, that is but that, acquiring two of the two best defensive players. I'm in not the disagreeing NFL. with any of that. Like we've never disagreed. Like when they drafted Duran James, we're like, oh, home run hit. Like yeah. great stuff there. And they drafted like, Asante Samuel too. Yes. Like, ah. He's exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I do. It's like they I never had that's what would drive me nuts as a fan of the chargers is that like they do everything right and then injuries or some crap just derails their season and it's just not enough like i am like i will never buy a cent of los angeles charger stock because there's something wrong with like the the franchise itself like they need to be renamed or something because (laughs) they do everything right they're gonna they are off-season winners i agree with y'all but like this has happened like i have lost track of how many off-season guides i've read over my life where it's like chargers man they what an off-season just absolute tom plesco i would love to have him on the pod he's great he's a great gm but there's something like we do this every year until it actually happens where they beat the chiefs they beat russell wilson the broncos and they have that kind of season where they break through i just i can't get there i i can't get there i understand you're not wrong you're not wrong. He's definitely you, not. Yeah. You have teams like the Steelers who have been nothing but like consistency for 15 years, while you've had teams like the Chargers who seemingly no matter what they do, they always find a way to lose. Like Jason Verrett's the biggest example of this, I think. Jason Verrett was a great player, and it was just every other like, man, if Jason Verrett can be healthy, he's just one of the best corners in football. And it's like, <laughs> we're year four of him being removed of like him yeah, never but being healthy. But he went to the 49ers, and what happened? He still got injured. That, that wasn't that's what a I'm Chargers saying. If there's thing, something was... wrong, yeah, I don't know what happened. The Chargers <laughs> and the fans do not deserve this. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that history unfortunately repeats itself year over year with that franchise that I, you, I can't do it. I cannot do, you do think, it. Who do you think has more wins next year? The, the, the Bengals or the Chargers? Oh, Bengals for sure. Bengals. Yeah. And it's not just a matter of like, if it was the what, division is kind it, of a big that's, deal. A, that's where I was yeah. going with that. Like it, it's not a matter of not so much the Chargers being cursed as much as Chase. Was, and look, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Chase. Like two years ago, it was Anthony Lynn coaching them out of wins because they lost like 800 games by one possession or less or something yeah. like that. Their time management was God awful. And the, I don't know what it was last year. I mean, they started off really hot, lost games that they shouldn't have. They were not using Herbert the way that they should have. They, yeah. To- that's a big part of it. Yeah. And that is something that needs visited this off season in terms of, okay, what can we do better? Um, just let Justin Herbert be Justin Herbert. That is the biggest right. thing. Um, so look, in terms of like the Herbert Burrow conversation, mm. you can make the argument for either one. Obviously Burrow just made it to a Super Bowl, So I get it. Um, but in terms of just a pure talent thing, it's a toss up for that. But yeah, when you play in a division that has the chiefs and now the Broncos, who you can make the argument, you can make the argument that the Broncos and the Chargers are like a toss-up for the best rosters in the NFL right now. I'm so, really curious to see what the Bron- Broncos end up like at the end of the yeah. agency and draft because it's it, they've lost a couple people, but they also got Russell Wilson. Like the Raiders could be are going to be the worst team in that division more than likely, and they were a playoff team this year. Yeah. See, so, I would bet like the Raiders are going to be like some one of the big three that people love falls like they fall a little bit like someone falls in their face like one of the because everyone loves pre like even just tagging orlando brown the chiefs are gonna draft well that people are gonna talk themselves into 13 there might be a hangover maybe there is something to the way patrick mahomes played in the second half of the Bengals game that just 
keeps good. Like it just bleeds into the season. Like that's a possibility. Um, Herbert, like he might regress. Progress is not linear. Progress is not a linear thing in the NFL or in any sport. Like we we like to believe. So I think the Raiders are like the most consistent or like they locked in Max Crosby. I think their floor is higher. Their ceiling's lower. So like if I had to bet on one of the teams to be in the middle, it's the Raiders. And one of the big three, like I could see the Russell Wilson. What if it just falls off and he's just old and it just doesn't work? That's a possibility. I mean, yeah, just hold on. So first and foremost, the the, the he's just not good. What that's a possibility. He could have a bad year. The Raiders and Chargers just last year. I mean, they were a game apart. The Raiders won mm-hmm. ten games. The Chargers won. I mean, everything that the the, the Chargers added this year. Both of those like, teams, by the way, almost gave me cardiac arrest in Week eighteen. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah, I can imagine. They didn't have to though. They could they have, didn't have to. Me, no, yeah. and they paid. They paid the price. Um, it's going to be interesting though, for sure. Speaking like, of another Chargers thing, but anyway, um, I, I'm no, telling you, it got a point. It, it never ends. It never ends. It just y'all can y'all can do this, I, but I, I cannot. Um, I cannot. Here's the um, thing. I know I'm gonna yeah. drink the Chargers Kool Aid again. Like I yeah. know for a fact. Like come oh. August, I'm gonna be like, hey man, what do you Chargers think is in here? Good. <laughs> it's literally in here right now. Are we about to do the Burt Kreischer Tom Segura thing where we laugh for a minute straight that you're drinking Kool Aid, a 64 ounce Kool Aid? So. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh man. <laughs> But look, man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very high on the mm-hmm. Chargers. I'm gonna be very high on Kansas City, and I'm gonna be very high on Denver. The thing, like, but they all can't be good. I think that they all can be good. Like, I think that one of them will run away a little bit more. Like, one of them will have 12 wins, and then Denver and Los Angeles will have somewhere between nine and ten apiece. And I think all three of them will be playoff teams. The yeah. Raiders, and look, I was so low in the Raiders last year. I had them winning four games last year. And Raiders Twitter came after me. They charged me. Mm-hmm. I'll say one thing about Raiders fans. They might be a miserable bunch of people, but they're a miserable bunch of people together. They oh, stick yeah. together. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but just not at the stadium in Oakland. Sure, sure. Right. So when I uh, – yes, yes. How, nice little jab of you uh, at the city of Oakland. Um, but uh, I think there is also a real possibility that you, you look at how Josh McDaniels did in his first go around as a head coach. One of the first things that he did was trade away Jay Cutler, and then he drafted Tim Tebow. He's, it doesn't look like he's going to trade away Derek Carr this year. I'd be shocked if that happened this year. But if the Raiders win like seven games next year, what's to say that Derek Carr would be back? What's to say that you know McDaniels wouldn't be like, I want Bryce Young, I want C.J. Stroud, I'll send Derek Carr to you know whoever needs quarter needs a quarterback next year and as a quarterback away. I think that if the Raiders struggled, this very well could be Derek Carr's last year in Vegas. That man loved Kyle Orton, and he loved these kind of yes. like this man. Yes. Derek Carr is made for him. That man's not going anywhere. <laughs> that Derek Carr, if you like, I would Derek Carr. If you're reigning in Vegas, go ahead and buy a house, man. Uh, go ahead and buy a house. He, he is like he can't. Derek Carr is like untouchable with the Raiders. Like the, every year, they should have moved on from Derek Carr. But no, he seemingly does Derek just Carr's a good player, man. No, Derek exactly. Carr doesn't deserve You're doing this. it right deserve- now. You're doing it right now. Every year, <laughs> they do. He does just enough for people like you to go. Mm. Well, he's a good player. <laughs> he's not. He's he a, is. He's a he's good a, player. He's a, he's a decent quarterback that's been in very good situations. What, Zay Jones being your wide receiver, what is a good yeah. situation, Evan? Okay, well, who was the other? Who who else was he throwing to? I mean, he had hey, Darren Waller, but Darren, Darren Waller is yeah. a fine tight end. 
Yeah. Josh Jacobs fell off a Hunter little Renfro bit. Hunter Renfro was his dude. That was his underneath guy. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, those are pretty – I mean, listen. Zay That's Jones, a C-plus receiver core at best. First off, you're yeah. talking about $14 million a year, Jay, uh, Zay Jones. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of contracts and money, the, the, the numbers just came in for Mitch Trubisky. Base value of $14 million for two years. So two years, $28 million? Uh, so I'm I, the way Bruce Bruce said it, I thought it was uh 14 mil total, like the way it was written. And if that's the case, that's pretty good. If they're paying him seven million dollars a year, Kevin Colbert should win a Nobel Peace Prize. It could be, it could be twice that. But the way Breer wrote it was, new Steelers quarterback is set to sign a two year deal with a base value of 14 million dollars. Yeah, I think that would mean that it's 14 million a year. The base. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because we'll if he convinces Mitchell Trubisky to turn but, down offers to play for third string quarterback money, <laughs> but they were saying they were saying ten mil a year was the was the goal, and I don't think they're signing him for fourteen. There could mil. be some incentive bases in there as well, where if he plays X amount of snaps or if they win X amount of games, something like that. But look again, he's a guy with a lot of upside. He's athletic. And if put in the right situation, he can succeed. Um, yeah. We'll see. But 14, yeah, that's higher than I thought it would be. Um, Tom Brady's back. That happened just a couple days. Like, that just happened over the weekend. That's just, we've moved on because the NFL has just lost its mind. The Jaguars are like, no, we're taking the Thunder back. We're, we're the kings of uh, the week <laughs> this week. And I don't I know. I will say this, though, about the Jaguars yeah. before we continue. The team mm-hmm. who has spent the most money in free agency, I think it's over the past five years, I've seen their win total increase by at least three games. So hmm. I think that the Jaguars are just saying, you know what, we've got money, let's throw it. I think it's going to be similar to New England last year where they can afford to overpay a few guys. Now, giving Christian Kirk $20 million a year, that's a little bit too much overpaying, but I think that they can be looking at their finance and be like, we can afford to give guys a few extra million dollars just to secure them if it means that we can get you know better weapons and more wins. Counterpoint. Also, you want DJ Hart, you want DJ Chark back. Oh, like that made more sense with DJ Chark. I agree. He's gone, so it doesn't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Really, Very weird. real quick counterpoint to that: mm. the last two free agent period, free agency periods, the Jaguars have spent one hundred and seventeen million five hundred thousand on their starting receiver cores, which consists of oh. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Martin Jones, and Evan Ingram. So, yeah, you spend money. You you have like recently you've been winning more games. But, I mean, they're trying to be the exception to the rule, aren't they? Well, you've got – hey, you've got baby Jesus at quarterback. Everybody's expecting big things from him. So, we'll and see. Tra- Travis Etienne will actually get to play football this year. Yeah, right? Travis Etienne will be back. See, everything's going to fall into place. And Urban yeah, Meyer isn't there. Like, it physically cannot go worse. Yeah, that's very true. Our linebacker situation looks like Mikel Walker and uh, Deion Jones now with Foye Olakon uh, going at Jacksonville. A huge overpay, so I'm glad we did not do that. Uh, that was Falcons just, are going to be. You think edge rusher for in, in the first round for them? I just it it probably has to be just with how much talent is there that you yeah. can't. You kind of have to take a very, swing at one of them. Maybe Jermaine Johnson, like you just have to. But it hurts my soul that we keep doing this. Like the Vic Beasleys, the Tack McKinleys. Uh, like I just Dante Fowler Jr. Yes, I can't keep doing this to myself. I can't keep bringing them in. It's almost like a public service for me to be like, you don't want to come in this building. Like for whatever reason, <laughs> unless you're John Abraham reincarnated, I don't want you here. 
<laughs> so hold on. So I'm as you know, as a, as an organ guy that I am, mm. I've seen some absurd things. I I personally think Kayvon's going top three. I, I think mm. it would be maybe top five, just because the O line is pretty strong class this year. Mm-hmm. But like, is there a chance that he makes it to eight? Oof. Because I mean, I, if he does, that's the steal of the draft. I would be surprised if he made it past three at, with Houston, just right. because like they need best player available. Like they've got so many needs on that side of the ball. I would be surprised. Like we, we've seen what star edge rushers can do for a team. Like TJ Watt has proven that. Miles Garrett has definitely proven that. Um, so I would be surprised if he Evans made it past. Bosa. You left out my Evans. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. There's, 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 there's so many of them. There's so <laughs> there many. really are, <laughs> except for the Falcons. We get zero of them. Yeah. Um, that's just how it works. Um, you I can't fault them for, I mean, A for effort. They, it's not for lack of trying. But it's just so weird how that works. It's just such a crapshoot. Like AJ Terrell, I was kind of nervous about because CD Lamb was right there. And we were going, like the, the thought process back and forth at the time was like, my thing was like, we have Dirk Cutter, like Matt Ryan's the end. Like Dirk Cutter's just going to, like we're going to be an offense focused team. We're just throwing it downfield a bunch anyway. Let's just <clears throat> see if we can outscore everyone with Julio, Ridley, and um, CD. Just see, like, see if you can stop that. Like, I don't know if you can, like, I don't know if that is something that you can cover enough to stop. And then AJ Terrell is just locked down. Like he is an absolute star. So you were a little worried about AJ. I was, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm all in AJ Terrell. That dude is just a full blown star this past year. And if you didn't watch him, it's because his guys were locked down. So no one threw at him. Nobody threw at AJ Terrell this past year. Hey, if, I like well, I would rather probably go Sauce Gardner. The where I'm at right now is I would rather just double up on corners and just, just have a nice cornerback duo yes. for the future. Yeah, yes. I gotta say, I'm pretty sure Javon <laughs> also uh had just as a uh, few amount of receivers throwing to, to <laughs> him too. I think he was yeah. locking that down too. Look at the stats. I'm so sad they drafted him. It's still just, early. He might. I, I don't know. One I, Falcon I, that I'm in love with, and it's solely because he was my draft crush last year at the Senior Bowl. Me, Ryan Edwards, and Ben Albright spent the entire week watching, and that's Richie Grant. Uh, I love Richie Grant. Yeah, he didn't really do much last year. So I know, and I was so him. bummed because they drafted him in the second round, and as soon as I saw that he was a Falcon, I was just audibly upset. Yeah, that did not. <laughs> <laughs> not good, yeah, guys. Not yeah, good. I don't know. I, I don't know about Richie Grant, but our secondary play with Eric Harrison company was just not good. Um, yeah, I don't know. The defense has holes everywhere. The only non-hole in this defense right now is AJ Terrell. And that's why I'm like, I'd rather just build on strengths. Like, let's have at least some kind of thing to hang our hat on on defense where it's like, you cannot throw on our corners. Like, mm-hmm. that is something that you cannot do. So you're going to have to beat us in a different way, at least with that. Like, I would understand that line of thinking. Plus, um, it's a very yeah. deep edge rusher class. Like, they could get, mm-hmm. like, an Arnold Abicady out of Penn State in the second round and be perfectly yeah. fine with that. So I, I like that line of thinking. Um, but Brady, he's back. Um, it looks like he's bringing some guys back. I think Gronk was on the Sam Hunt stage last night, so it seems like he's coming back. He's he's sixty nine jokes for another year, gents. Let's yes. do it. Football never starts for Rob Gronkowski until like maybe August. He seems, but he's maybe. just. He's so much fun, man. That I do guy, he just enjoys his life. That yes. man is just like, I am. We, we could all afford to be a little bit more like Rob Gronkowski. Trust me, man, I am. Yeah. I'm Evan's got my, some I'm my part. Evan does have some Evan looks him. like the walking embodiment of a white claw. It's <laughs> <laughs> the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Uh, but, you know, I, I got to say, I heard all offseason about how Tom Brady was coming back. 
and he's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna get traded to the 49ers. And yeah, where did that rumor come from, by the way? Uh, sad, sad people. <laughs> <laughs> Just sad people. Um, uh, yeah, and I and, and so it was very funny to me to hear that all off season long, and then you know, like you mentioned, right? Like Tom Brady, re- you know, comes back, and it's almost like. No one was surprised. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Everyone was like, yeah, we kind of saw that coming. Like, the guy went home, and his wife probably was like, hey, I need you to take out the trash. And he was like, what? You know, and he's like, I'm going back. I'm playing football. I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> Can I tell you what I think it is? Can I tell you what I think it is? What's so up? when you think about the quarterback super tired, like the all-time greats, or just like any professional athlete who was at the top of their game, you look at Brees, he saw his body like he could not go downfield anymore. He saw that last season that like, oh, I don't have a choice. Peyton Manning, he couldn't like his body, like nine touchdowns, 17 picks. He could not physically do it anymore. Um, it was not going to work. Ben Roethlisberger, you saw it in Pittsburgh. It was a struggle for him to keep this thing going. And it was just he kept having to evolve and change his game. And it's like, dude, I have nothing left. Like, I've just got nothing left. Brady had an MVP season like that dude. I just think I think, Do you think that he like wants to play till the wheels fall off. Yes, I think he know. like I think it's so much easier to quit when the wheels start falling off and retire than when you're like, I, 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 I yeah, like he, he's like, I need to see I need to see proof that I can't win another Super well, Bowl or win another MVP. Too. He literally won the MVP last yeah. year. Yeah, like, he was better than Aaron Rodgers statistically, period, period. He was I mean, he, he had a better year. Mm-hmm. And he didn't win the MVP and he didn't go to the, he doesn't go to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady probably was like, all right, it's probably time guys. It's probably time. I got seven Super Bowls. No one's ever going to beat that record. I'm good. And then he goes home, he sits down and he's like watching the Aaron Rodgers news, $50 million a year. He's like seeing all the, like all the chatter, all the talk, like all the ESPN conversations. He's like, I didn't win MVP. Like, I, I know I can't swear on this pod, so, but, like, there would be swear words involved. And, like, he's like, I didn't win the MVP. And he's probably just sitting there stewing, you know, like, getting his pedicure, like, getting his fit. You know, his just facial, mumbling to himself. At the spa, like, they're like, they're like, Tom, please stop. You, you, the towel's over your face. You can't yell. Um, and he was just like, he's just like, nah, man, not going out like this. You know? I think and he I, wants I, to go out and I think he wants to flame out. Like, I think there's something that competitive urge where it's like, I need to see that my powers have failed. Like I need to see that like I am not who I once was. Like he needs to feel that. Like he needs father time. Like he needs that part of him to be like, well, yeah. I don't have it anymore. So also, I like you- to I like to imagine him as in Evan's stories, like Joe Pesci from Home Alone. Like just watching ESPN being upset and just mumbling to himself. That's great. So real quick, your opinion, both of you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the buckets are going to be good enough to, I mean, all of these things that are going on, they're not, they're not going to be good enough to compete this year. The way like with the, these powerhouse teams with the AFC, you know, East teams with, you know, obviously the 49ers and, and future MVP Trey Lance. No, but like all jokes aside, like the bills, right. The chiefs, like, I just don't see the bucks. Well, I think well, a lot of it's Ali Marpet, right? Like you need to see if you can talk him out of ti- retirement. I know he already said hard pass. Well, we, has is that official? Because he has. Yeah, the, well, yeah. He literally said, "I know Tom came back. I yeah. will not be coming back." Okay. Well, you got Jensen back, and yeah. Gronk's coming back. You tag Godwin. Also coming back. Yes. Like the defense is going to be good. Their defense isn't going anywhere, and I think he's got enough weapons, and I think they'll 
they can address some of the other stuff. Like, I don't see a scenario where they drop off, really. I think they're a runaway at the NFC South, bad division. They'll have they'll host at least one or two playoff games. Like, they're going to contend next year if Brady's healthy. And all of those teams that you just mentioned, they're in the AFC. Tampa Bay doesn't got to worry about that come playoff time until the Super Bowl. So, you know, I think that, you know, once the playoffs come, like, let's say, like, they're going to run away with the NFC South. That's the worst division in football by a mile. Unless Deshaun Watson moves. Unless Deshaun Watson moves. And, and the or division. Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Panthers, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, either, right, either right. Either of right. those two powerhouses. Right. <laughs> Gun, gunslinger, gunslinger <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so either way, I think that the Bucks win the division. It'll be, you know, one less win if Deshaun Watson is there. But mm-hmm. I think that they're looking at, you know, at a minimum an 11-win season, which would put them in at least the three seed. So I think they, you know, they'd win wild card weekend, and then you know maybe we see another you know situation like we did against the Rams, where you know it's a nail biter and they have to come back. But if they if the cards fall in their favor and they can host at least two playoff games and not go to Lambeau, hell, even if they do go to Lambeau, Brady's shown that he can beat Rodgers in Lambeau, so it might not even matter. Yeah, but anybody can beat Rodgers in the playoffs. It's not hard. And so maybe maybe he's just going to hope to face Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Maybe that's maybe that's that- the key. Hey, it's been working for the 49ers for a decade. For, for a decade, yeah. Yeah. I don't – no, I, I just, like, anytime Tom Brady comes back, obviously, you know, he, we talked about he had the MVP season, but I just don't see them making the moves that will, like, really allow them to just compete for that. I mean, the NFC is going to be tough. And then if you if you make it past the, these NFC teams, the AFC is psychotic. It's stacked. Like the Bills, the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals have everybody coming back, and they have money, right? They just signed. And <sighs> speaking of, they literally just signed Kappa and uh, Karras. Is it how do you pronounce his last name? Karras, Karras. I don't know. But was the guy at- from the Bucks? Yes. And the thing about people are ripping some of it where it's like they're not elite, like they're not signing like the Taron Armstead to the world. They're not uh, going deep. They're not going big game hunting. They don't need that. Like the Bengals just need average. Like you, Joe Burrow is so good at evading like that kind of stuff anyway. And he's so good at doing stuff in the pocket where he's making something out of nothing. Like if you watch the LSU tapes, like he's moving, like he, like he's okay at getting rid of the ball and moving within the pocket, moving around, getting the ball where it needs to be. Just give him an average offensive line. You need availability and average. Like that's all you need to do. And we overlook availability so much. And that is something that there, you cannot bank on Taron Armstead at this point. Like he's missed too many games. You cannot take that risk with Joe Burrow for another year. I would gladly take a B minus who's going to play 17 games over an A plus who might give me nine. Like you cannot do that anymore. Joe Burrow with this knee stuff. Like he has two now. And not to mention the fact that a lot of their pressure that was given up was through like interior pressure. Like their guards were bad. So Getting a guy like that to, you know, uh, put on the right side where you, know, you look at that Tennessee game too in the playoffs, like he was just absolutely murdered. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's not going to be the sexy signings for Cincinnati, but it's going to be the necessary ones that keep them a contender. Um, now, they did yeah. franchise tag Jesse Bates, and I know a lot of fans want to see him get a long term extension. I think eventually that does get done because he's done so well for them since he was brought in. Um, so I would like to see him get a long term deal as well. Um, and, so many Steelers fans are saying like, how dare I, you know, compliment the Bengals or be happy for the Bengals. Like, what do I have to worry? Like Steelers have owned the Bengals for 20 years. Eventually it was going to go down the drain. Anyway, I might as well be happy for Joe Burrow. Huh? I, you know, it, it also just depends on the team. Right. Cause like the Ravens, that's different, right? Yeah. I hate the Ravens. That's the only <laughs> team in the division I hate. 
when the when the Rams won the Super Bowl, like no, I wasn't like ah that division opponent. <laughs> I was like, oh dude, OBJ got a ring. That's yeah. dope. Sam, you know, like Matt Stafford got a ring. I I can you know I'm good for him. I like. It's just, it just depends if anything, I mean, I'm sitting here every morning I wake up, I do this and I pray and I thank God that he has destroyed the Seahawks franchise. Like mm-hmm. it's just different. Like it's just, it's just different. Like I can, I can handle the Cardinals winning some games because they're an unserious franchise, but if, Oh my you know, God, bro. Hold on. I'm going, I'm going off screen for a bit. I got to clean myself up. You just made snot come out of my nose. You freak. <laughs> I, you know, every morning I wake up and I'm happy that the Seahawks have quite literally just given up. And I, and I, I love that. I want their sadness. I need their tears, but mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. Like, I just don't, it's just, it's, it's just different. Like, you know, it's not every division opponent is the same. I don't even know what to do with this. Um, we'll end on this Baker. There was a really good piece I read uh, this week by uh, Tyler Dunn front of the pod. Uh, go subscribe to his Substack If you're not already done. So just a great NFL writer, go long TD. Um, wrote about Baker and there's been a lot of stuff about Baker, but I I've always been a Baker defender, but then you read the stuff and it's like, he played with the torn labrum. He didn't tell anybody. He's a really private person that like, he was really private about his injuries and just how banged up he really was. And he should not have been playing football. It, it reminded me of the cam stuff. Do you remember when it yeah. came out after the fact that cam yeah. was like, when it, that playoff game against the saints where he literally could not move yeah. the ball 15 yards downfield. So they were like, what is happening with his arm? And it was like revealed after the damp. He's like, I need full on so- shoulder surgery. I could, I literally could not get the ball downfield. Um, that's what it kind of felt like with that Baker story. But I just, I don't know what I would feel if I was a Cleveland fan. I'm so mixed. Cause like Lamar done burrow done the Steelers just the consistency, like they're still a TBD, but like you're not worried as a Steelers fan. You have the continuity, you have Tomlin, you like you're fine. It's not going to fall off. Cleveland is just in this weird zone now. So you trade for Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry is cut, and it looks like he's either going to the Chiefs or the Saints. Big thing for the Saints, like if they got him. Um, but they're just in a weird spot because I think last year most of the consensus was they might have the best roster and football like the browns still have miles garrett they still have a bunch of pieces that offensive line still really good they still have the two-headed running back monster you look at it and it's like the obj jarvis stuff like that all made sense like they really did something andrew barry did something that made sense like everything with the browns made sense and baker was hurt and i just wonder how much of that was just if he was healthy how we would be looking at the browns right now and their offseason and the trade rumors and i'm like Baker is still your best quarterback in 20 years. Like there is something to be said where it's like, just let this sit for a little while because he's not Josh Rosen. It's not like one of those. Oh, we got to get out quick. We got to get out. He's not mobile. We can't move. We can't do anything with this. He's fine. And he might not be the superstar worthy number one overall pick, but man, you are the Cleveland Browns. And if I was a fan, I would be nervous because maybe there is another level for Baker. Maybe a healthy Baker changes things, but like he, I think deserves the benefit of the doubt in Cleveland because they just haven't been there. And we've seen what that offense looks like when it's humming with Stefanski from two years ago, they have the roster. There is a bounce back potential in Cleveland, but you're more locked in on the AFC North Jared. Do you, does that, do you agree with that sentiment or do you disagree? I mean, I've been a Baker Mayfield defender for a while too. And look, I totally understand like everything, like every part of his body was hurt this year. Like he had a yeah. shoulder, he had a heel, he had a knee, he had a leg, yep. like everything all over him was just falling apart. So I get that. At the same time though, like 
you you said like going into last year, this was a team that had arguably the best roster in the NFL. And still now, like their only holes are wide receiver and quarterback. Like, yeah, fair or not. Like, look, I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you look at the fact that okay, he went through Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitchens, now Stefanski, all these coordinators. I get it. There's a reason why they're very hesitant to give them an extension. There's there's a reason why there's all this uncertainty. If I'm them, and there's any way that they can get to Sean Watson, I would do it in the blink of an eye. The blink of an eye. If that means that obviously Baker would be given up in that trade, like there's reports coming out that they're kind of you know low key you know searching around to see if they can find an upgrade at quarterback. Like to me, sometimes like. For Baker to be like, yeah, like I've got a heel, I've got a shoulder, then, then don't play this week, Baker. Let Case Keenum play and get healed so we can have the best version of you instead of you just continually deteriorating. So I don't know, man. It's That's going to be something that's like low-key fascinating to follow. It is. It's interesting. <laughs> um, it's interesting to see Chase's uh, thoughts and opinions on the Chargers while then simultaneously having all this hope and uh, belief in the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Like, <coughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is literally sitting there going, hey, everyone, there's a problem. Hey, guys, we've, we've got an issue over here. Uh, something's wrong. And everyone's like, what a diva. What a jerk. He's like, guys, the, the quarterback situation's a little suspect. Help, someone, anyone, please help us. Nothing. Just, it's you're not going to get me on this. I it's still all, think no, no, no. it's all going to get me on this. He That's goes not, to the Rams and he immediately starts playing well again, and they win a Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield is bad. He's bad. He's not. I just he's not, sorry. He's Evan. not, the, he's not yeah. the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's not. He's not a bad but, quarterback. That's not true. Is, but mm-hmm. he's bad. He's, he's not. Some quarterbacks can have good stats and be bad quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks can have bad stats and be good quarterbacks. Like, it's possible. Jimmy Garoppolo's got great stats. Not a lot of people out there defending Jimmy Garoppolo other than me. Like, yeah, he's had some good times when he, and he's also been injured. But, like, I think it's, I, the it's, Browns, like, it's fair to say that, like, Baker's, like, barstool Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. He's like, but I mean, like, well, now Jimmy's doing Subway commercials. So who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he's going to take over the commercials. I think that you had a good point. Kevin Stefanski had a lot, a lot going for, you know, that, that season of the Browns. They were a very talented roster. But I think you're putting too much emphasis on it being because of Baker. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying Baker can, like, with the roster talent that they have, he is in that quarterback zone where it's like the tier where it's like Derek Carr, Baker, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, um Kirk Cousins where it's don't like you put, don't you dare put Kirk Cousins in that same I will tier. put it oh, Kirk Cousins is in the oh. tier See, and I put my, them that's together my point, though. that's my point and, you can look and go Kirk Cousins does really well but you know he's not that good but no Kirk Cousins to put, him in the, to put him in the same to put him in the same even like atmosphere of Baker Mayfield and I don't even like Kirk Cousins is insane it is insane I, Baker is a good quarterback he's just someone who needs an elite roster around him to win a Super Bowl. Like he needs that. But a lot of guys, like there are a lot of quarterbacks like that, but it means you're a middle tier. Like he is good enough to win you a Super Bowl if you give him the pieces. But I think that's an oxymoronic who... statement. How? Like, he's good, but God almighty, does he need help? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. 
you could still be good and need help. Like there's, you could still be good and need help. Like Kirk Cousins is still a good quarterback, but he needs help. He needs Adam Thielen. He needs Stefan Diggs. He needs Justin Jefferson. He needs well, Alvin. Cook. Every well, every the, every quarterback needs help per se, but the amount of help that these quarterbacks yes, need, like it varies. Baker needs things to be absolutely yes. perfect around him to succeed. That that to me does not warrant being called a good quarterback. If you need everything to be like exactly perfect like okay you need nick chubb and the running game to amass at least 120 yards on the ground you cannot turn the ball over <laughs> and your defense needs to have at least one takeaway if that doesn't happen we do not win like that to me does not warrant well you win a lot of games it just might not win you three straight in the playoffs it might not be conducive to doing that but i well, still think it's worth keeping like i think it's worth seeing this through because the roster is that good there if the roster was in more of a more disarray or was like a Chicago bears type situation, then I would be like, all right, you gotta like, it's just, it's not going to align the way you need it to align. But because Barry's done such a good job around Baker, I just, I would keep this thing going. And it seems like he's a good leader. I I just, I Evans OBJ point aside, which I still, uh, I, there's so much more there that I'm not even (laughs) going to do on this podcast, but I, I don't know. I think, I would run it back at least for a, another year. I think another would... thing, another thing with Cleveland though is that this this front office isn't, isn't tied to Baker. So that's yeah. another big thing that is that's kind of looming here is that hey, we didn't draft this guy. Why should we? We, we don't really have we don't have any sort of tie to him. So I think that that is something that plays a big factor in this as well. By the way, Evan is is there like an athlete of our generation? that everybody loves. Now, I'm not going to say for no reason, but they, they just talk about him far too much and they overrate him so much. Is there anybody like that more than Odell Beckham Jr.? Because I'm struggling. Ooh. To like... Ooh. Ooh. I didn't know Beckham, that was gone. So Ooh. I think, I think there's absolutely a... There's there there's like a full life cycle equation to this, right? There I'm gonna make is. I'm gonna make a meme of like the handshake thing, like Jadavion Clowney, Odo Beckham Jr. being famous for one play, no, shaking no, hands. There, there, but there's literally there is an equation when you have a player that has a strong personality, and most of the time it's positive. You have a player that has a lot of high end talent, but then gets injured, so you don't get to then see that talent play out. Uh, and then you go, he goes to a team where the quarterback struggles, right? Like it's very obvious why everyone was so high on Odell because he starts his career doing this, one of the greatest catches of all time. You yeah, think that's what everybody comes back to with Odell is that one catch. And I'm just kind of no, tired no, of it. No, but I'm, well, obviously, but I'm saying when you have a player whose trajectory is huge and they get sure. injured or they have misfortune and it doesn't get to pan out. Fans tend to flock to that, right? Because everybody wants an underdog story. Everybody wants a comeback story. It's kind of the reason why I was always an Alex Smith fan, or I was always a Cap fan, or I was always Jimmy Garoppolo. It's it's the same concept. You you hope to see them succeed, right? You hope that you can one day go, we told you. And, you know, you got to say, man, Odell played really well. Sure. Hold on. Can I read you a quote, Evan, from the ESPN story from uh, November 5th from Jake Trotter on the Odell marriage? Um, So from the story, quote, except Beckham had rung. Okay, so I'll start with the paragraph above it. Beckham was visibly incensed not to get the ball at such a critical moment. And in the hours and days that followed, Mayfield was relentlessly panned. Why didn't he throw it to Beckham, especially when OBJ was wide open? Except Beckham had had run the wrong route or to put it another way, his own route. Quote, that's why Baker looked confused, as one team source put it. That's how it was all year, which was frustrating. It worked in, in L.A. It worked. Okay. But, it's, like, 
it, it worked. worked in LA. Like he was good in LA. That's fine. But like the way people characterized what happened at the end of Odell and Baker, Odell was in the wrong. Like I don't understand. Like you could still root, but like Odell was in the wrong in all of this. I don't I'm understand. Team Baker on that, by the yeah. way. Yeah, I'm very much on your side on that. But people like I, Odell, and it's like I get it because he's a likable, happy-go-lucky. Like I get that. Like it's not a shot at Odell personally. It's just that like the reporting and based on what we know. Baker didn't really deserve that, and that Odell, it, it's on Odell why things went the way it did so, in Cleveland. I, I it just understand. Is. I understand. And like you look at a guy like Terrell Owens, right? Or like you think of those types of, you know, like people were like, Odell is one of the best wide receivers coming out of the draft we've ever, you know, and seen in a long time. He had that crazy year of numbers production. All of a sudden, the Giants implode, right? You know, Manning. Daniel Jones, all of this, you know, he's probably like, what is going on? I, I, this, things were so great and now they're bad. And then he's like, finally I'm gone. And I get to go number one draft pick Baker Mayfield. and with my best friend, Jarvis Landry. And then all of a sudden they just start playing really poorly. Baker's not as good as we had hoped. And I'm not saying it's right, but I can at least, you know, I can do the, you know, I can do the, you know, little uh, flow chart in my head of how Odell got to a point where he was probably like, I can't do this. None of you people have any idea what you're doing anymore. I'm just going to run my own routes. It's not right. But I mean, when he does that and then goes to LA and plays again, exactly how we remember when we thought he was going to play. Is it right that he did it? No. But do you kind of go, well, I mean, look, look at his point. He just said, get me in a better situation. I'll play good again. And he went and they won a Super Bowl. That's fine. That's all fine, but it's. Um, I think we can all unanimously agree that. Uh, if I see one more person tweet, by the way, I thought Odell was the problem in Cleveland. I'm going yeah, to like, throw my phone through the window. Like we get it. He played well. Now shut mm-hmm. up. Yeah, but no, that's, God. that's just Browns fans, though. Browns fans, like they, I Browns fans are rabid. I assure you, it is not just Browns fans. I was going to say, no, like no, people no, no, dunk I'm, on the Browns for that, and it's like no, 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 and I'm dunk saying, on Baker like, for it. They're getting that because of how Browns fans are, right? People are wanting to be like, hey, I thought it was Odell, right? Because Browns fans are like, this guy is uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the whole point. And it's like, if if they're reporting that story, it's like all the Browns wanted him to stay. Like, nobody, like, Baker was confused about the communication going down. Like, no one wanted Baker out. Like, no one was like, we got to get this guy out of the building. Like, that wasn't the narrative at all. They all spoke glowingly about Odell. Like, most players around the league like Odell. Like, that's just not what happened there. Like, it's just but even, not. But even so, I am curious, though, because we're, we're going to wrap up. Less about <laughs> uh, Odell, because he's not a Brown anymore. They mm. obviously just lost Jarvis Landry. He's going yeah. now. Who? Amari Cooper's it, in. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is that going to be the heart and soul of the offense? Is that what we think? Like, well, their heart and soul is, like, the like run Kevin game. Like, Hunt. Yeah. I just don't get, the like, why – get rid of Jarvis Landry and then trade for a $20 million receiver. Who's going to catch 65 passes this year. Yeah. It just doesn't make like if Odell wasn't a good fit, Amari Cooper isn't going to be a good fit. He's probably going to be a worse fit. Well, I think I, it's mentally. He's like the exact opposite. Right? Yeah. Well, I think Jarvis I didn't want that. to be there anymore too. Right. Like that yeah. just seemed like he's, he's not playing. He was like, even if you want to keep him, he's like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. I don't want to be interesting. I, w- I wonder if they'll go receiver first rally. If they try to get like a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson type guy. It wouldn't be the worst thing because, uh, no. like you said, they don't have a lot of holes, and I think they can afford to take just BPA offensive player in Agreed. the first round and see what happens. Um, Jarrett, how can the good folks check out your work this week? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you see it right down there. If you're watching mm-hmm. this, it's uh, at JBaileyNFL on Twitter. 100 new followers in the past day. I don't know what I've there done, you go. but everybody is just really flocking to me, and I appreciate it so much. So uh, come join the party. It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, weekly stuff at Fansided, Gridiron on Tap, uh, the Laces Out Pod, me and Kurt Homiser. Uh We do Trivia Bowl every uh, second week. Very fun to do. Um, I'll have to get one or both of you on it very soon because it's a lot yeah. of fun. Very, It's my favorite show to do. I love it. Uh, pro wrestling stuff, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Stuff for Fightful. Um, I tweet about wrestling a lot too. So if that's your thing, follow me there too. So yeah, at J Bailey NFL, I tweet out all my stuff. So follow me there to uh, to uh, see all my work. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have to get you back on more this off season as we do these roundtable discussions with the NFL because, man, this is just not going to stop. Like we're going to have stuff to talk about in the NFL every week and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Evan, find you on Twitter, burner underscore swords. Anything you like to plug for an or sub, anything like that before we go? Uh, 49ers have always uh, and the Chase Thomas podcast. Yes. <laughs> Evan, Evan, Evan. Jared doesn't know how you do this. Jared doesn't know the the whole bit. He doesn't know how oh, this ends. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward, right? Like mm-hmm. Jared, Jared's a great example. Jared, I'm assuming you have what, multiple podcasts you do. I do. Right? You've been on podcasts. You know, probably the most important thing that there is to do with podcasts is obviously <laughs> follow that podcast on whatever you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or stitcher or any of these other ones and then you obviously want to give a five-star review right that's the number one way to drive uh, exposure and and kind of numbers it's the best way to support the podcast how much does it cost does anyone uh, know? Uh, it's free oh it's free so yeah it's free so as always five-star review for the chase on this podcast and all of jared's podcast oh thank you very much there you go see He's good at it. He's no. he's my natural plug. He's he's good at it. <laughs> but for real, Jared, you are really one of my favorite follows on Twitter. So it was a blast. Getting oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Once once I saw that you were in here, I was like, whoa! I wasn't aware. Well, I guess I was aware. Chase told me, but I was like, <laughs> oh, I kind of forgot. Yeah, Evan's gonna be here. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a pleasure, a pleasure having you on and talking to you, man. We'll definitely have to do it again. I appreciate that, buddy. No, it was good talking to both of you too. Uh, this is uh, yeah, this this can definitely happen more often. So I appreciate it. All right, Evan, Jarrett. Always a pleasure. I will talk to you both very soon. All right. That's a wrap on the Tuesday, March 15th edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to Josh Dobbs, uh, NFL quarterback, legendary Tennessee volunteer quarterback for coming on the podcast. Go support his foundation uh, today if you can do so, uh, or even just his businesses and things like that. So go support Josh any way that you can. Um, Also, thank you to Jarrett Bailey and Evan Swords for coming on the podcast to talk all things NFL this evening. Hope you guys enjoyed um, this podcast. So if you did and you have not already done so, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can email this show with any NFL questions, um, any general questions, things like that at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.